Bijou. Yeah. Yeah, Bijou. Check this out. Girl, I'll house you. Girl, I'll house you. Girl, I'll house you. You in my hut now. My hut. Girl, I'll house you. Girl, I'll house you. Girl, I'll house you. You in my hut now. When you're in my hut, you know what's up. Let your mind be free. Relax your body. Jump, jump. A little higher. Jump, jump. Until you get tired. House your body. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, sub zero, <laughs> fuck sub zero. Yeah. What's going on, everybody? You're tuning into another episode of Styles and Driss. We have yet another special guest on this episode, on the podcast, on um, in the building. We're reporting to you live and direct from St. Paul, Minnesota at the Carlton Lofts. Yeah, artist lofts in a in the dance studio, and this dance studio actually I have a lot of memories in this dance studio. Mm-hmm. Come to think about it, a lot of history here. Yeah, a lot of lots and lots of history before I even started house dancing. Really, oh, cocksucker! Why is it? Is uh, that your phone? Who's doing that? That am I, getting, am I getting spied on? Maybe. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, B-Boy Jason, a.k.a. Jason Knower. Jason Abomination. What, what, what were the other monikers that you had? Uh, you yeah. had uh, J-Rock. J-Rock is where I started. Yep. Then, it was, then it was Outbreak. Outbreak. And after that followed a series of names like Tarantula, <laughs> uh, for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, Little Mac. There were like a many different ways that that uh, like different names because in when I was in Cali we wanted to not be recognized in battles so right so we would enter under like aliases right aliases so it wasn't like anybody actually knew our real names it's kind of funny we could have entered under our real names right <laughs> uh, but no one knew us uh, so so we did that in order to just like throw off. Uh, I don't know, just throw off the competition. Yeah. And it was also like when um, Wu-Tang was doing this as well, mm-hmm. where they would have like three or four different names. And so, and there were nine West, West Coast rockers. Right. There was nine Wu-Tang members at that time. Mm-hmm. So it was just something that we all did. But Jason Abomination kind of stuck. And then a lot of people didn't like that name for mm-hmm. some reason. Um, some people tried to sh- kind of shame me okay. out of that name. Especially when I came here, mm-hmm. they, they thought that I shouldn't be a teacher and have abomination abomination as my name. Yeah, I suppose. I don't know. It's Minnesota. Yeah. You know, it was kind of weird. Yeah. But then eventually it just went to Jason mm-hmm. to kind of reflect on what my role is going to be in the community. Right. And try to fulfill that role. All right, Jason, let's rewind a little bit. <laughs> So, for the people that don't know who you are, granted, I think everyone that's going to be listening to this might know who you are, but for those that don't, um, go ahead and give yourself a little, you know, give yourself a little intro, a little background, yeah, who you are and everything, what you've done. 
Um, well, I started breaking in uh, the Bay Area. Before that, I was doing a form called housing or what they might call freestyling. And I lived in Fremont. I'm from Minnesota originally, but I didn't really start dancing until I was in middle school. And this form of housing, that's like the Running Man and the the Roger Rabbit, but uh, broken apart, more syncopated, mm-hmm. and there's more creativity, so you're not really copying everybody else. Right. So um, I met uh, Rob Nasty and Profo One. Mm-hmm. At that time, they were the twins, the Acid Twins. And they were kind of mentoring our group called Rugrats, and that was the Hauser name of our crew. And they brought back Breaking from New York. Or the way I remember it is that um, those two and another member, two other members, Jeff and Eugene, um, taught us some of the basic power moves. Okay. And power was what everybody was doing. So right. it was like all helmets. Um, Doc Martens, mm-hmm. really, really baggy Jenkos, mm-hmm. and there were crews called like um, Jughead Tribe, Jedi Clan, um, Bullwinkle. These were the names of the other breaking crews out there. And mm-hmm. We were Rugrats, and this is around the same time that Masters of Movements, which is um, which, which I know some of this history is a little taboo, but mm-hmm. um, that's when Rob and Profo started to be in um, Rock Force. Okay. And so they, they, uh, I, was gonna, I was moving back to Minnesota. They asked me to form an arm of our chapter of Rock Force, and we kind of... So it took me a little while to find breakers out here in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And I found Fresco, who actually lives in this building. Mm. Um, He's moving out to uh, North Carolina, I think. Okay. Uh, Like in a week. Oh, word. So so I think he's leaving, but I think he's also going to come back and do some um, projects with Angel. Because I think um, they're going to be working together to do some streaming Mm -hmm. um, events. So, an angel is a battle cat from my first crew, Battle Cats, and Fresco is from Battle Cats, and Daylight, and um, Groove, and Sandman, and Idea, and Abilities. These are all members. Feel it. All members of, all original members. And I met Daylight at um, First Ave. Okay. And... um, we just started battling and then started hanging out. And then I asked if we should start an arm of Rock Force. And that became a discussion with Rock Force, who disagreed with us. I think it was second generation Rock Force that disagreed with that decision. So we decided to start Battle Cats instead, mm-hmm. which had been previously already created, but we thought we were going to maybe become a new crew. Okay. So we became Battle Cats. And. Um, that's the crew that I really learned about hip hop with. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, the hip hop um, culture in the Twin Cities was uh, mainly black, mm-hmm. um, mainly black, and 
a lot more, uh, it felt like a little bit more exclusive because mm-hmm. you had to earn your spot Word. in a way that, uh, if you didn't, if you didn't get the approval from, from other members of the community, it made it difficult for you to, to do shows mm-hmm. or, or get on stage or any of these things. Mm-hmm. So, so you really had to prove it and you had to prove it through lyricism or you had to prove it th- through your, your skills at whatever it was right. that you chose to be a part of. And, um, I didn't face the same sort of, uh, you know, I faced a lot of call out culture because mm-hmm. I'm, cause I'm white, mm-hmm. uh, and in a black culture and the same thing, uh, in the Bay area, um, I'd be the only white person there. And so I get called out a lot. It's not mm-hmm. the same thing as being like marginalized. So it's mm-hmm. not, so like we can't confuse those two things. Right. But for me, I was like, that's why I loved hip hop is mm-hmm. that there was this, you had to prove yourself. Right. And so this call out culture, this battle culture, that's what really called to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of, I don't know how much I want to lay this out, but like fast forward a couple years, a few years, and I moved out to Cali. And I wanted to test myself against the people that live in Cali. And I, I happened to meet up with Coolski um, from, from East Coast Rocksteady as mm-hmm. well as West Coast Rockers. And he introduced me to West Coast Rockers. I became a part of West Coast Rockers. And we did a lot of, a lot of battling out on the West Coast. And that's where I got interested in choreography. Mm-hmm. And I uh, won my first uh, like small scholarship for choreography uh, in 1999 when I was testing out college again. I tested it out a couple times in my life, and it mm-hmm. just never really stuck. Mm-hmm. There was nothing that was there for me that really right. interested me. So, but that did. And that's where, and I became part of uh, the abstract movement out there. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of a side note, but I just watched... Midas's dissertation two weeks ago and I'm a, I'm in a doctoral program now and I saw the kind of criticism that he faced mm-hmm. um, by his it's not really it's not really criticism but you know you're defending your dissertation your ideas um, against faculty from your department who know your work and are really really uh, detailed in the way that they're questioning you yeah so seeing how that happens is, is really cool because we were in the abstract move, movement together. Mm-hmm. And the abstract movement and breaking is where you don't, you kind of refuse to do any foundation. And uh, that was just something I was part of. I thought it was really cool mm-hmm. because the things that I was learning in choreography class, in composition class, I could apply to breaking mm-hmm. and and the the creativity of that moment in breaking was like very freeing right and you didn't have to be you could do the weirdest thing and that would get you just as many props as doing a long spin mm-hmm. and you didn't have to worry about being fast or or you know you just had to be weird Word. and that was like it was it was where i base all of my choreography today from mm-hmm. so um that's what attracted me but uh I didn't like college. And so fast forward a few more years and I came back to Minnesota and, um, joined back up with battle cats, started to be a part of the scene here. Um, 
This is where I met Ozzy and Turnstile at different different points. Um, but we would gather in places and battle mm-hmm. each other. And I got into many heated battles with Ozzy. <laughs> yeah, not too many. Um, you know, uh, when he was part of War Machine and no. then Power Rangers. No, propaganda. Propaganda crew. Propaganda. Yeah. 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 And, um, but Minnesota had like something really special. And it was, we had to kind of go through a, uh, a, a really difficult time, I think, mm-hmm. where there was a lot of beef. There's mm-hmm. a lot of separation. Yeah. A lot of separation. Like, a lot of like misunderstood ego. Yeah. A lot of, a lot well, of stuff. You know, how, how is character built? You know, it's through adversity. Yeah. So, and, and like you were mentioning before about like um, call out culture, call out culture is not like shut out culture where you just say, mm-hmm. no matter what you do, you're just not permitted to come through. It's not, it's like, no, it's like, what do you represent? I'm going to test your thesis on the floor. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happens in academia. And then of course, even in scenes where people are, are going to be part of scenes, there's going to be young people who don't know who the fuck you are. Mm-hmm. who are going to say, Hey, I've been here for five years. Who's this guy who just parachuted in from California. And yeah. they're completely unaware that you had a history here prior mm-hmm. and vice versa. You're going to come over and all of a sudden you're going to see some young buck come up and try to get up in your face and give you the uh, the third rail, yeah, and you're gonna me. go, yeah, <laughs> and you're gonna, gonna you're gonna you're gonna go, yo, man, you think you can steal on me? All right, well, let's let's throw down, and, and that was good. That yeah. was like that was a healthy part of the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have a different sort of style, mm-hmm. and I think being in Minnesota brought me back to foundation as well. Mm-hmm. So. So I incorporated those two things now with yeah. the abstract and the foundation. I think it's really important. I think that comes from a lot from teaching as well, mm. um, just because you're able to break things down. But right. um, I went back to school in 2008 and finally found a program where I was allowed to design my own program. So mm-hmm. I designed um, the B-Boy movement within hip-hop culture that just kind of focused on on breaking and especially battling. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I went right into my master's. Mm-hmm. At the same time I'm doing this, I'm also creating choreography um, for for smaller stages at first, places like Patrick's Cabaret. Yep. That's like the big one for us in Minnesota. Yeah. And it's a place where it was like an incubator, and we mm-hmm. all got to try these things out. And it was like this really great space that was all wood that had like a fireman's pole in the back. That we slid down sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, as part of a show or like, yeah, it was just like an amazing, and it'd been there for 25 years and I think it's finally closing like yeah. this year. Yeah. Or, hook and ladder. I think it's yeah. finally closing it. Yeah. So it, it's been around for so long and it was a nonprofit and it's one of the longest running in Minnesota for sure. Yeah. Um, spaces that we had. And so, um, I developed more choreography and then took it to, uh, the Cole Center, which I had been working at um, for many years at that point, and presented my first evening of work, which is about an hour and a half. Um, and my first show was, I was in every piece. It was like nine pieces, mm-hmm. an hour and a half long. There was an intermission, but I was on stage like 45 minutes at a time um, along with other dancers. Yeah. And it was, it was to prove that you could put breaking on stage and to not... Um, and that we don't have to compromise uh, by, I, I won't say it's compromising anymore, but I refuse to use any other form of dance to, mm-hmm. to other than hip hop forms. Mm-hmm. I refuse to use any other forms of dance as on stage to mix with it. 
and I wanted to use just an aesthetic of, of breaking and right. see what happened on stage. So I did that one, and uh, it was called Hip Hop with an Exclamation Point, or Hip Hop with a, a Question Mark. And even that title caused people, like, so many problems because they wanted to, like, write out the whole title, like, Hip Hop with a Question Mark. Yeah. And they, like, and they wanted to write out, like, Hip Hop in a theater. And I'm like, no, it's just, it's just Hip Hop. Hip Hop? Like, with, with the punctuation Question yeah. Mark. That's all it is. And so then I created two more, and I think I was probably one of the first or only um, choreographers to create a full-length show that was that was all hip-hop mm-hmm. and put it on a major stage in Minnesota. And Ozzy was part of that in the third one. one. Mm-hmm. But you were part of the first mixtape, Yeah. right? Yes. Yep. And you were part of the first mixtape as yeah. well. Yep, I have those flyers up in my apartment as well mm-hmm. there. They uh, are special they hold a special place there. They're all framed. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> so I created these, this first round of shows just to show that I could do it at the same time I was getting my masters mm-hmm. and I designed that degree. Um, and it's, and it focused on hip hop pedagogy. Yeah. And so I actually wrote a book my first year of my doctoral program that was based on my master's thesis of hip hop pedagogy which is called um, Music Moves and Mindsets, uh, Theorizing Hip-Hop History and Pedagogy Through Breakdancing. Um, it's an ebook, uh, which is, I think, the way that things are going, because that means I can go back and edit. So it's not a hard copy, which is also really cool, but at the same time, if you make a mistake, you can't go back and edit a hard copy right. and go back and edit my book anytime. Mm-hmm. So it's a living document. And mm-hmm. I think that's the way things are going to be going anyways mm-hmm. for academia. This mm-hmm. is like, it's it, in this type of world where we've learned that we don't have to be in the same room with other people to do things. Why would we have to have a, like a hard copy book? Right. Like it doesn't make any more sense. Mm-hmm. I think people will cling to that for a little while, but mm-hmm. it'll be just like vinyl at some point. You know? Right. Like there'll be people that are like book readers but everybody else will just be downloading because that's all I do. Right. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. Zlib. If you guys know about Zlib, if you don't know, mm-hmm. Z-Lib. That's all I'll say. I'm not yeah. Get in trouble. Yeah. You know the whole <laughs> the whole deal with uh, book reading. It's crazy because I'm now starting to go into the. Um, not really starting. I kind of did it. I started probably two or three years. Depends on how long Audible has been around for, but. You know, the fact of rather than just reading a book or spending time to look at these words, rather, why don't you just listen? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think a lot of it came from this culture that we're engaging in right now, which is podcast culture. So it's it's uh, it's really interesting. You know, like at the brokerage that I work for, the CEO, he's like, you know, I read books every week. Mm-hmm. And when I asked him, like, oh, OK, like, where are you getting? Do you read hardcover? He's like, no, Audible. Yep. Like, so you're not really reading. You're, you're listening. He's like, hey, man, it's new generation. Same shit. <laughs> like, I mean, OK. <laughs> in it, but it like it's it's funny because it's like it's just a digital manifestation of what goes back to, you know, I mean, the 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 Torah, the Midrash, the Tanakh, all those like holy books were they were audibly passed on for centuries before they were finally written down and documented on you know, like a, like a hard document and same thing with, you know, um, various, um, uh, like, you know, when it comes down to, um, whether in Capoeira or in the African-American, uh, slave culture, things were passed through, um, through story and through myth and through song. 
so that way you would not have anything that would be traceable. So that way, you know, someone wouldn't walk into a, a quarters and find a piece of paper that would actually have coordinates on how to get across the Mason-Dixon line. You know, it, and it's just like, okay, so these guys are all out here singing this song that you're hearing. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is cool. You don't realize that it's actually telling you what constellations mm-hmm. to be able to follow, mm-hmm. what rivers to follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that it's it's appropriate that we have that concept. And then, like what you were talking about, uh, Jay, with... Um, you know, uh, it it, it kind of goes back into the essence of hip hop, right? It's like a lot of people did not document right off the bat. They just, they spit. They just had their lyrics and they had their freestyle. And then, of course, someone would turn around and say, oh, that was really cool. Um, how about I record that? And then pretty soon it's like, okay, now why don't you write and do like a second or a third or a fourth draft and then finally put it out on, on vinyl and like release it. But it's just like, there were other people that said, yo man, um, yeah, that, that tape or that record was good, but it was nothing like actually being in a cipher and listening to somebody like super Nat spit mm-hmm. just right off the top of the dome. Because again, it's like you're in the most raw live, natural, organic element, as opposed to stopping and thinking and pontificating this like great point. You just say, yo, I, I'm doing this on the fly based on the skills that I've built up. So you kind of like made yourself almost like fight ready mm-hmm. versus, you know, saying, okay, you're preparing for this one fight with this one combatant. You've studied all their movements. You know everything about them and everything. And all of a sudden they change fighters to the last second. There's like some people that will just say, no, nope, I'm, I'm not going to fight now. I, mm-hmm. I can't fight a replacement because we're not prepared. And there's like good fighters that will actually say, bring them. You know, I'll, I'll go ahead and deal with whatever I got to deal with because, you know, I trained. I trained my ass off. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden this person decides to go low instead of high, then, you know, I'll just have to deal with it in, in the moment and just see if I've got what it takes to actually be a true and natural um, uh, practitioner of the art form. So, yeah, man, that's that that's that's mad respect right there because other people prefer to, you know, <laughs> they kind of want to be uh, on that uh, on that tip of like the uh, – kind of like Axl Rose with the Chinese Democracy album, right? Like, it's never quite done. I'm just going to keep working on it, working on it, working on it for decades and decades, and then finally, you know, we have to, like, rip that from your hands and, like, release it. Mm. And it's like a manifesto that never gets finished. Mm. And then there's other people who just say, yo, you know what? This is the material. I'm I'm not married to it. I'm going to put it out there. And then I'm already on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, that's that, that's some real shit right there for people to to really like entertain and think about as a possibility. Yeah. I mean, hip hop is an oral culture. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people think about how writing is an instrument of colonialism Mm -hmm. um, and using the English language even could be considered a tool of colonialism. So there's, there's a lot I think that is disregarded about, um, oral history and this comes from someone who writes Mm -hmm. so i i see like the value in it but i also see how things um things that are that are detrimental are also passed um you know along with tradition Mm -hmm. and false narratives or outdated narratives as well are passed Mm -hmm. you know we were talking about it before a little bit and and i'll get back into you know my history in a minute but Mm -hmm. but just thinking about like about um, how the the narrative of hip hop, like DJing, it comes from sound systems, yep. or or rapping comes from toasting. Mm-hmm. Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Like to be honest, every 
like this is this is what Midas did his dissertation on. Right. And so he watched all of the um, interviews, even the most recent ones and the ones done in Jamaica and the ones that that try to get him to connect it. And mm-hmm. when he's when he is like directly confronted by it, he's like, man, I was listening to James Brown. Like I wasn't. I moved from Jamaica when I was like seven, mm-hmm. you know, like there's no connection there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like there's, and that's not to say that there's not a connection of African American dance traditions of black diasporic dance traditions and musical traditions, um, that are passed in different ways. That's not to say that that doesn't happen. That's mm-hmm. happening right now where, you know, that there's, People are trying to do that with Capoeira for many years, but now there's an article that's come out where somebody did the research and talked to all of the Capoeira uh, maestras of that of that moment, mm-hmm. and they were saying that hey, the, the breakers attended some of our stuff, and like the breakers are like, yeah, we saw, you know, we saw them, but so it's not to say that these things aren't connected, mm-hmm. but to say that the entire thing is based in rap comes from toasting. No, it comes from a particular. Um, James Brown album where they're the last where one of the last poets mm-hmm. was on there rapping and the whole time that's what the whole album is about and I'm trying to remember the name of it. I can't remember the name of the album but that's those that's where it comes from you know it's not to say that these these traditions aren't connected mm-hmm. but you have to really start piecing together all the information that's out there if the people that you're saying are connected to something are saying that they're not connected to it over and over and over again, mm-hmm. but it still gets connected. I think that's really interesting to think about. It right. is, yeah. yeah. I think it that's and that's like part of our history that we don't talk about in breaking. Mm-hmm. That's hip hop history, right? But in breaking history, it, it gets just as deep. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're we're fa- at this moment we're facing a lot of different things. You know, we're facing the 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 whole thing with with crazy legs. You know, DMing these mm-hmm. young girls. Mm-hmm. Like, right. You got you got to face up to that shit, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and that shit's been going on for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And that's not. And you have people like Rob Nasty calling out people in the scene, right, for supporting, you know, pedophiles, right? Like this, this is the this is the type of shit that we have to confront. Right, the sexual harassment we have to confront that type of shit, mm-hmm. um, because. Our histories are, you know, it's like really important for us to document history, but we can't gloss it over right. and think that this shit, that this shit doesn't happen because that's what happens when you gloss over history. Right. You know, bad things happen. So might as well confront it. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll just kind of pick up, but um, did you want to keep going from there? Or just Yeah, man, we could do whatever the whatever. fuck you want. Yeah, so we were at, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're back in Minnesota, and yeah. you were reintroduced to the scene. Yeah. And then you started doing um, various residencies and performances, mm-hmm. um, doing a lot more uh, choreographed pieces. You were also judging a lot of battles. Yeah. Um, you were um, prominently featured as, like, the, the tri-panel of, of judges in yeah. many a battle. And I remember the first time that I um, was ever introduced to you was at First Avenue, of course, mm-hmm. on the stage. Um, on, uh, I believe that was that was too much love. It wasn't the Sunday night dance party because that was that was kind of gone at that point. It was yeah. the Saturday um, too much love, and um, and it was you and Sequel, um, mm-hmm. aka Wicked Legs. Uh, shout out to uh, Travis, um, <laughs> who just 
you guys were just holding court that night. I mean, it was like, um, and it was it was such a it was such a dope um, for me personally. It was such a dope thing to see because I mean, you came out with like just like the 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 very traditional b boy attire, right? You were rocking like the Kangle bucket, and you mm-hmm. know your your laces were nice and fat. You know your your hat matched your shoes. You were rocking a denim uh, uh, jacket, and um, and everything was like starched and pressed, and just like you know, wow. <laughs> and and it was like, and it was such a, a dynamic of different styles that kind of accompanied and complemented each other. Because sequel for people who know, um, you know, people who know his style, um, he's a very like he's a leaf in the wind right mm-hmm. he just kind of just goes all over the place but he goes with context right he doesn't just like do random shit for random reasons it's like it's just like this it's this amazing like controlled chaos mm-hmm. and you were like very very like refined and on point and i think those two um meshed really well together mm-hmm. and i don't think that you guys were actually like battling battling but y'all were just exchanging like anybody that would come in y'all were like right on on their heels and you would get down and then and you were doing like um you were doing like shark tank uh kinds <laughs> of shit you know so like no sooner that sequel was done you were right in after him and you guys were not leaving like any slack in the cipher and um i remember that day vividly because i walked up and i said yo man i said um I, I really appreciate your style and i love the fact that you do footwork mm. because i was still seeing a lot of people that would go in at that time, uh, being reintroduced to the dance scene, uh, but specifically the breaking scene, um, there was still that residual from the 90s where heads would just go right into the scene, or I'm sorry, the cypher, and just drop to the floor and just start doing whatever they did without any types of transitional movements, without any types of like symmetrical um, movement in their tops. Mm. And then um, to actually watch somebody who had you know, uh, your six steps, your three steps, your babies, your freezes were going both directions. You were hitting shit going like, you know, bop, 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 and then roll over, bop, bop, bop. Mm. And, and I was watching just the way that you were conducting that. And I was just like, man, I'm really impressed. So, you know, I came up and, you know, I, I showed uh, love and respect. And then, um, you know, later on, as I got into Forgotten Elements, that was where we got more introduced to each other. And, you know, we actually started working on, like, you know, the um, professional level, level eventually. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, that was that was my first exposure to you. And then when somebody else turned around and said, oh, by the way, yeah, those two guys that you stepped to are both, you know, Battle Cat alumni. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I was already familiar with, of course, Daylight, and I was familiar with Mikey um, Idea. And um, um, I, I'd seen, like, uh, Philippe and Gabriel and um, Angel and them. But then all of a sudden I was kind of like, yo, who else is in Battle Cats? You yeah. know, so, so that yeah, tripped me out. You know, like, I don't mean to not mention too many names, but Travis was not in Battle Cats. He wasn't? Yeah, yeah. Sequel, oh. he was never part of that. He was part of... Um, Eternal Illusions. Eternal, Eternal Illusions. Illusions, yes. And, okay. And him and Damien and Adam, Imagine, Imagine lives here now. Self-X. Um, they, yeah, well, they became mm-hmm. Self-X... Um, a little bit later, yeah. Um, I always had respect for Self X, uh, you know, on the on the breaking level, mm-hmm. and uh, but it just like that that you know, like I was just a battle cat, and mm-hmm. I was just I felt like that was that was like important to keep representing. But those those three guys were the ones that that I pretty much represented with when I came back, right? And mm-hmm. we did a little bit of traveling together, and we did a lot of battling together, mm-hmm. and. 
I tried to convince all of them to be in my shows, mm-hmm. um, but none of them would be in my shows. We yeah. did, we did like presentations, but right. mm-hmm. um, and now Travis is in uh, break uh, breakfast 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 mm-hmm. breakfast. Yeah. Break uh, <laughs> you know, that's what it is. I'm, I'm kind of I kind of bit their style with mixtape because now mm-hmm. we're taking out all the 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 vowels except for e. <laughs> um, so, but. Um, he, he was amazing. And we did, when we did do pieces together, we did a couple of them. Mm -hmm. Um, me, Travis and Damien, we did a couple pieces together and they were amazing pieces. Like to this day, they still hold, Mm -hmm. um, and they are hands down some of the best work that I've ever done. Uh, very political. Um, some were just like for fun, like based on Dune, Mm -hmm. which is, which is being, you know, we'll see the new movie at some point. Yeah. But that was like, that's like my favorite science fiction mm-hmm. um, um, universe. Right. Or whatever um, series. And so we've, we've done work on that. But um, around, so I finished doing my work on stage around 2013. We were still battling all together. Um, I entered kind of a rough patch in life. And then it took me a few years to get back. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was, and I never mind talking about like those, those kind of things, but, um, I developed an alcohol problem and then, uh, it was just really difficult to create work or to find motivation to create work. Right. And, um, it was my own community. It was my community here. It was rooted. It was Maya Maiden. It was Herb Johnson. It was, um, Bella Roberts and her parents, um, these people kind of pulled me back mm-hmm. and helped me see what was on the line. Right. So, so from that point, I decided <clears throat> that I needed to get my shit together. And about six months later, maybe even three months later, uh, Dr. Cindy Garcia from the University of Minnesota asked me to apply for the doctoral program in the theater historiography uh, program mm-hmm. um, in the theater department, and if I hadn't been sober, I wouldn't be able to do so many things. Um, so my way of doing shit was just go all out. So in yeah. the same year that I wrote a book, I started my that was like the first year of my doctoral program, and then also the first year that I started mixtape. Mm-hmm. Um, that was an idea between me and Herb Johnson, aka J. Tight Eyes. We. Um, we thought about this idea of just creating mixtape mm-hmm. and and trying to do that visually, whatever that means. So whatever that means to anybody that's listening, that's like what we were trying to do with our own our own idea. And we brought on um, Bionic. Um, shout out to Bionic. He uh, created original music. Uh, he did a lot of just like uh, helping out with music at that yeah. point. Um, but we had created original music and original dance together um, once before. Mm-hmm. And Bionic is crazy because he's made music with everybody. Right. Like Ice-T, um, AC Alone. That's where I heard him on AC Alone's records and then met him at an AC Alone show. Mm-hmm. And then a couple years later, opened for him at AC Alone. So it was, um, that's kind of a, it's kind of crazy how many times I've been able to meet the people that I looked up to as rappers, mm-hmm. whether or not they were cool people to me, which is like hard to do. I think, yeah, you know, from like run DMC to, to 
um, Qbert to like um, the Roots, mm-hmm. De La Soul, um, Hieroglyphics. Um, I'm just like really fortunate because I met a lot of those people and got to kick with them for just, for at least a little while yeah. backstage, you know, and just like to to kind of experience that. That's that's like very cool. Mm-hmm. And like my favorite uh, hip hop moment or one of my favorite hip hop moments. Um, I'm kind of jumping back and forth between all these different things. That's, that's right. fine. <laughs> is is when we got to when I was in West Coast Rockers and we would do this thing that I learned in Minnesota where we would just walk to the front of the line and say we had to get on stage because we were about to perform. So we would <laughs> do this at like every show that we would go to. We would just find out there's a show happening and then we would just go do it and see if we could get to the front of the line and get inside. And, and a lot of times it panned out really well. Yeah. Like a lot of times it panned out that we would end up on stage with like Ivan, um, like B-Boy Ivan and Chuko mm-hmm. and opening for like the, the roots or like, um, you know, Shaquille O'Neal would walk by and say, let him in, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or things like that, like weird things would happen when we would right. do that. And so it was always kind of worth it to see what would happen. And we did it at the Spit Kicker Tour, which was headlined by Talib Kweli and DJ High Tech. Guru was on that tour. Mm-hmm. Um, man, there were so many people on that tour. It was, it was Insanity Common was on that tour. Mm-hmm. And so we got backstage. They, we got like wristbands. We just said, hey, we got to we got to go like, mm-hmm. and we all have our backpacks and we're all dressed like breakers. So it's like, really, it's like, it's like, you know, and then people are kind of flustered because they're trying to handle the crowd. Right. So, you know, and it's like an all day event. So right. it, I think people are tired. So they just let us in. They just gave us backstage passes and mm-hmm. we ended up backstage. We're having a cipher um, mm-hmm. in the middle of the grass backstage. Um, and everybody's there like watching us. It was kind of surreal. Like all of the people, you know, like Guru is sitting there watching us. And, yeah. And Dela is just like joking around. Like all three of them mm-hmm. um, are just kind of sitting there chilling. And we're breaking on grass. And then High Tech walks through the center. And I kicked him in the face or the back of the head. <laughs> oh, shit. And he was super mad at me. And he yeah. was like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, breaking, <laughs> you know? And, and he's like, fuck. And then he like walks away and I was like, shit, <laughs> I was like, shit. Okay. <laughs> and then, and then uh common came over and he's got like this beanie on. That's like all these different colors. It's knit. Mm-hmm. Like he's got like these star glasses on. Like this dude is like, he's in his full, like, like hippie phase. Yeah. His bohemian yeah. native tongues. Yeah. He's in, he's in like some full phase of something. Yeah. It was like, when, it'll all make sense. That album. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, it'll all make sense. That was mm-hmm. like the album that was out at that moment. Yep. And so he's like, he turns to me energetic, energetic, and he's like, hey, will you guys come up on stage with me and like break? And I was like, dope. Mm-hmm. Dope. Yes, I will come up on stage with you and break. Yeah. And he's like, cool, man. And then I was like, <laughs> okay. I was like, fuck. All right. So we walked up on stage. And they wanted us to break on these boxes that were probably like three by three, mm-hmm. two by two. Yeah. That were hanging out over the crowd. Oh, Jesus. And they're like, yeah, we want you to dance. And I'm like, but okay, <laughs> that's cool. And so like, I'm st- and so like, he's like, well, when I give you the signal, just go ahead and do it. And I'm like, okay, cool. And so I'm standing there and we're standing there and we're kind of like, okay, when is he going to say it? 
Okay. And then I look over and high tech is like looking at me. He's playing records mm-hmm. and he's like looking at me. And then he plays, he plays this, it's Capricorn by uh, Cannonball Adderley. This okay. is like some old jazz shit. Right. And this is like one of my favorite songs ever. Mm-hmm. And he puts that song on and I'm like, oh, this is like, it's crazy that you're playing the song, mm-hmm. but you like, but he hates me. Right. <laughs> and so he's like looking at me and he hates me. And I'm like, oh. uh. I'm like, it's too bad because like, this is an amazing moment for me. Yeah. And then Common's like, okay, come on, let's go. Let's go. Go ahead, jump up there. And I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. And it's like this small little box, and I'm just doing tops and, like, trying to do, like, footwork without falling off the box. And right. Jetix, Jetix's going crazy. Energetic is a crazy breaker. Yeah. And, and he's doing a bunch of shit over there, like, handstands and stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I just really don't want to fall. And then, and then um, Common's like, okay, I'm going to take you all back. I mean, like, he's going through, like, decades. This is, like, the thing he did at a show, and it's, like, the 70s, and he brought us out during the 80s. And then he's like, come on back, come on back. And we jump back on stage. He hands Jetic the microphone, and then he starts doing windmills, mm-hmm. right? And I don't know if you ever – like, any, any rapper that tries to do windmills to a freeze is always going to look fucked up. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, their freeze is always going to look fucked up. It's always going to be a face freeze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, like, Common did a face freeze. It's the same mm-hmm. freeze that Curtis Blow did yeah. when he came here to Minnesota and mm-hmm. handed me the microphone and started doing, like, windmills and then, like, this weird freeze. Yeah. And I went back into the crowd and Guru st- was standing next to me. Mm-hmm. And this, so I'm, like, I'm moving between two stories right now. It's, like, Spit Kicker Tour, Spit mm-hmm. Kicker Tour, which was, like, the late 90s. Mm-hmm to maybe 2010 okay 2011 doing a show at a small club here in in minneapolis and guru just happened to be in town Mm -hmm. and after i got done opening up for curtis blow Mm -hmm. with a bunch of other dancers i went back into the crowd right and so i'm seeing like I'm just kind of connecting these two by the baby freeze. Right. Face freeze over decades. <laughs> right. You know, face freeze, face freeze, guru, guru. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was just like, hey, you're dope. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you're dope. Right. <laughs> I'm like, you're fucking dope. And he's shorter than I am. Yeah. And I'm short. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it was just like, it was a very surreal moment. But that's one of those, like, two of my favorite yeah. hip hop moments is like being on stage and, you know, it didn't cost us anything. Mm-hmm. We were just like in the right time at the right moment um we were we were in the right place at the right time and took advantage of it yeah and i think that kind of mentality has followed me around um that's what i've gotten from breaking and when i got sober i that's the kind of ambition that i've had since then Mm -hmm. and it may not play out in my dancing all the time it plays out in my choreography Mm -hmm. um which at this point now um you know i'm getting I'm very successful at getting grants Mm -hmm. and I've been able to pay uh, my people in mixtape a a good wage. You know, it's not, it's not what everybody should be paid, Mm -hmm. but it's moved from hundreds of dollars to thousands of dollars. And that's a big jump to pay, not just choreographers, but dancers to give the choreographers dancers budgets, Mm -hmm. right? To give, to have pain mentee positions, that's a big deal. And to have all original music in a hip hop show, Mm -hmm. right? We don't fuck with any sort of like recorded music unless it's made by somebody in the community Mm -hmm. that we have a direct connection to because lots of people can't stream or present their music in, present their, their show 
in this moment where we rely on social media or you know streaming platforms that may strike you right and take away like the music or you might get you know you might get a copyright strike mm-hmm. or whatever and so we just moved beyond that we took a jump beyond that right and so i'm in my fourth year of my doctoral program i am i am almost abd which means all but dissertation mm-hmm. um i'm i'm about a month away from that and then i start writing which takes about a year i did just get the the doctoral dissertation fellowship which is like a a twenty five thousand dollar mm-hmm. um, fellowship that pays for my another year of research and a stipend. Okay, uh, my tuition and so um, and it takes about six years to finish mm-hmm. a a doctoral program. Okay, um, and you make a book out of whatever it is that you write for your dissertation, or you make a couple books out of it. Mm-hmm. So um, we just finished, like I said, this this show mixtape four. We're moving on to mixtape five. Mm-hmm. I'm moving on to um, starting to write my dissertation, which is a choreoethnographic study of the breaking scene in the Twin Cities, which mm-hmm. means I use the choreographic strategies or elements or ways of, of choreographing like levels, like operating on different levels, like crouching, standing, um, being flat on the floor, speed, direction. I use those to understand how people enter and leave, particularly the battle cipher mm-hmm. in our community and how they are received and what their, the tiniest movements that they do, what that means. Right. I'm theorizing from the movement rather than trying to pull in a bunch of different theories. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do it the opposite way and theorize from a breaker's point of view of how right. it feels to actually move. So this is very different. Mm-hmm. I'm one of the few people that does this. I might be the only one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because I have like an amazing like Ananya Chatterjee of Ananya Dance Theater is is another person that does this for her contemporary Indian form mm-hmm. uh, of Yorcha. And so she is my chair of my committee, and that's, that's like what my dissertation will be about. Mm-hmm. And Mixtape 5 will show some of my work that comes from thinking in these ways. And uh, I'm, I'm co-authoring a book with my partner, Yen Pong, shout out to Yen Pong. Um, we've written a book. We've already written a book together. I'm writing a chapter of a hip hop studies book with Mary Fogarty, who's who's the first B girl um, academic. And uh, me and my partner write books about music, um, academic books about music. And I also wrote an academic article about Ananya Dance Theater's. Um, work okay from my point of view so that's kind of that's kind of where i'm at at the moment that's so, kind of a long kind of drawn out <laughs> no, no, that meandered. no that's good so no i'm intrigued by what you're doing with um in terms of focusing on what b-boys or b-girls do as soon as they step in step out of the cypher so yeah. how, so how is it that you're going about that study so are you interviewing Dancers, I'm do, yeah, I'm going to do a few interviews, and I can't share the information too much yet because mm-hmm. I have to. There's like ethics, right, about the whole thing, so I have to like wait until I get those dancers' permission, right. But I'm focusing on dancers that maybe at one point were not as popular, mm-hmm. but now have become popular, right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm also focusing on the idea that breaking, the aesthetics of breaking can be expanded to different forms of dance. Right. If we look at breaking as maybe a starting point mm-hmm. and like a starting point of hip hop, if it's the first hip hop dance, we might say, mm-hmm. then how do the aesthetics of breaking, um, how do different people expand those aesthetics yeah. to different forms? So it's not the form itself that expands them. Mm-hmm. It's the people within it right. that do it. Right. And so, there, so what I'm what I'm using is this idea. Yes, I'm I'm going to be interviewing. I'm going to do like four interviews. Um, so only four people. Uh, probably interview them a, a couple times, and I'm using what's called the micropolitics of technique. Mm-hmm. And what this means is dance overwhelmingly shows relationships of power. Mm-hmm. In specific places so when I'm looking I'm looking at how the, the the dancer is moving according to what's happening and who is who who they are and who is around them right and taking the ideas like they might have to balance very carefully like balance might have to be let's say for a six step mm-hmm. um, when you're going down, let's say like a knee drop, but you're going down to the ground and you're going to catch yourself and you have to use particular points of balance. I'm thinking about how people have to catch themselves and maybe this particular person, how they identify, I, they have to catch themselves in everyday life to make sure that they, cause they can only really be themselves within the, the cipher right. or maybe they can't even be themselves in the cipher. Maybe they can, they, maybe the cipher doesn't allow them to be themselves so they have to catch themselves theoretically and also practically i'm trying to connect movement with theory not theory with movement right Mm. and so i'm still working through it like Mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not an expert on it i'm not really good at it Mm -hmm. like i'm okay at at what it is but i've been practicing for a few years at what Mm -hmm. it is and so you know, you can see how there are relationships between different bodies and their micro movements. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, who is greeted how? Who do they right. walk in with? And do they get greeted or do people greet them? Like, do they go greet people? Mm-hmm. How does that happen? Mm-hmm. Is there like, you know, like what, what kind of spaces in between them and other people? Yeah. Right. No, I get you, man. Um, I've always been fascinated by, by the cipher and how people interact in mm-hmm. it. Um you know, one dancer to talk about like Joelle, like, so Joelle, we've had conversations about this before where she's like, you know, I'm always interested to see someone go into a cipher because it tells me a lot about their day. You know, I can tell by the way they're moving, by their facial expressions. And, you know, it ha- gives me an idea of what their day was really like. Mm-hmm. And I look at that and I think I hear that. And I'm like, yeah, that could be it. But sometimes depending on who that person is, maybe they just want to be someone else at yeah. that given, t- yeah. at that given moment. But that's in also the cipher. part of their day. Right. You know, like, man, fuck this shit. You know, like, I want to I wanna see what it feels like to be this type of dancer mm-hmm. at this given moment. You know, I, yeah, I find it I find it very, very interesting. And um, and I like paying attention to details like that, you mm-hmm. know, because it, it, it really matters. It truly matters. It's, it literally matters. It's a materiality of the dancer. It's the dancer's presence mm-hmm. that is... That is uh, I like I like the idea of thinking like I can tell what kind of day they had because it's it's an accumulation or it's a piling up a layering 
of what's happening to that person and how they are expressing it. Right. And yeah, you can pull a lot Mm -hmm. out of that. You can't, that's why it's theorizing though too, because at some point there's a, there's assumptions that have to be made. Right. Sure. You know, but yeah, but also if I walk and I see how they interact or if, if they, if I, if I see how they interact when they walk in Mm -hmm. and from the moment they walk into when they put down their stuff or like I'm watching the interactions and I'm watching like, yeah, how bodies move around each other because Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it is, it is obvious once you start watching those kind of things and you can tell, you can tell what's going on, right? but you can also think about like, you know, I think, you know, Joel probably has a different experience of getting to the jam and walking through it than you are than mm-hmm. you or I. Yeah. You or I. And, and that's us. a beautiful thing to think about, you know. It's a beautiful thing to break down. Right. Yes. And to assume. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, when I see, if I see Turnstile walk in, I like to think that I can tell if he's had a shitty day or not by the way he's bringing his stuff in and putting it down, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, you know, I like to think that I can I can tell. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's just literally the opposite. It's just like, oh, I had a great day. <laughs> I'm just, I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'm just ready to dance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, dude, that's dope. That's dope. It's like another level of people watching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. It used to make me really paranoid when my professor, when I'd be in my professor's courses. Mm-hmm. Because right. I would start thinking, I was like, this person knows how to read every single thing that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know. Hey, if you think about it, um, my piece from mixtape kind of set you up for that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Ozzy is referring to a piece where yeah, what you are your own competition, mm-hmm. you are your mm-hmm. own best competition, mm-hmm. where we mirrored each other doing. And this dude literally um, studied me. Mm-hmm. For, uh, <laughs> I did. Yep. I did study you, and, and then and then after the piece, I would like make I would like move like you. <laughs> At just like in the in the just like weird times or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It didn't help that uh, that we were rocking the same exact shit. Yep. So like there'd be uh, some sessions after the show, months yep. later, where we'd probably walk in wearing the same shit. Yep. <laughs> like, same outfit. Fuck. Right. Same outfit. I finally got rid of those shoes. They had to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got rid of mine too. I was like, yeah, these guys gotta. They gotta yeah. go. But but yeah, it was it was it was definitely. Even for house sessions that I would go to, because that's what we're talking about, is like I would go to the house sessions and then you would host them, too. Yeah, in this very room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that was kind of during the rough times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but it's it, that's why it's kind of weird to be back here. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's good. Yeah, it was uh, something you had to to get through. Yeah, to get to where you're at right now. So I, I'm hoping that house wasn't a dark moment in your life. No. <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't. It's, it's, I love the dance and it's part of my warm up every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't lose parts of it. I'm not going to be ever like super great at it. Um, but also I like to do it. Mm-hmm. And at some point we'll come back to the, the practices, you know, mm-hmm. we're, yeah. we're half vaccinated. Oh, they're there. They're there for you guys whenever. I know you're just yeah. right. You're just like a block away. Literally. Yeah. Literally, man. Yeah. Um, 
you know, go into a little more about house, what house has done for you. I think, uh, I think as breakers, we, at least for myself, I guess, I guess I'll just speak for myself, but I always want to push myself to like the most as a breaker. Mm-hmm. And, but I did start all in upright dancing or mostly upright dancing, which was housing and housing was, we were doing it to house music, but also like dance hall and hip hop. So we, I always liked standing up and dancing and house kind of was a part of that, even though I'm calling it house with that H O W Z E house was part of that as well. And so when we got back into it, you know, at first I was kind of like, eh, you know, it's just not my thing. But I think when you started listening to more like deep house and that was being played at rehearsals or you were just, I don't know where you were doing it more and more, but that I think caught me because I like Afro house and I like, um, I like deep house. Mm-hmm. I like soulful house. Yep. Other stuff I, I, you know, I have respect for it. I know that, you know, people love garage, you know, hardcore European, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I can respect that. Like I can respect some of the stuff that you guys play and some of the stuff I'm just like, you know, like I don't feel it, mm-hmm. but some of it I'm like, this is what I like to dance to. Mm-hmm. So I think once I felt it, then the challenge of house was good. Because it didn't, um, it, it wasn't like hard until you got somewhat okay at it. Mm-hmm. And then when you got somewhat okay at it, then, then you learned how hard it was. Right. And so I think it was a challenge to learn, you know, just the small things, how to be able to just to like groove and jack while you're doing some of the, the basic, right. you know, movements of like the chase and, mm-hmm. and you know, and then trying to work on harder movements like uh, scribble foot, mm-hmm. trying to figure those out. And this may or may not be the vocabulary, but like it's, yeah. So for me, house was a way to, it was like a different expression. Yeah. And I think I've only done one house battle. Um, yeah. City versus city two. No. Um, no. Cause we, we teamed up for that one. No, that wasn't city versus city. That was um, Slick City. Or Slick City, City. I'm sorry. That's yeah. what I was going to say. City. Yeah. yeah. Slick City, the first one. No, the second one. Second. second. One, right, the second yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That was like the only time I, I did it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's not a competitive thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I like it. Like rocking is competitive by nature. Mm-hmm. But house has a different feel to it so that it's, it's less... It's like we've always been, we've, we've had this battle mentality for so long um, that it's like part of our dance, that it comes in the house. It's weird when it comes in the house. Um, so not having to, that kind of, not having to have that mentality, I think reminds me of somewhat of the abstract era of breaking mm-hmm. because it wasn't so like, it was heavily competitive, but it was more creative. Right. And right. yeah, there was just a different way of doing it. So if you think about it, um, what house does to, especially cause I think all of us, I would say probably about 90% of the house dancers today came from breaking. Mm-hmm. 
it's just a natural thing that happens, you know, and nothing is natural. Well, whatever it's, uh, it was natural <laughs> for, natural. it was a natural for me. It was natural for me. <laughs> well, 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 in a sense, there is, there are some, there are some things that played into it, mm-hmm. but it was just like, you know, I just needed, uh, this looks good. Yes. But I think you also were headed a different dire- direction. Yeah. That's what I saw when you were dancing is that, uh, you loved breaking, but it wasn't really like the thing that you like. It was different when you were rocking, but it was really different when you were housing. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that, you know, I think it took a while for people to understand it, or I think it took a while for you to be comfortable with it. Yeah. And then when you became comfortable with it, I think other people get comfortable with mm-hmm. it too, because if you're good at something or you feel good about doing it, and it's, and you, you let it, you know, come through in your physicality, which is hard not to. Yeah. So if you don't feel good about something, it can, if, you, if you're good at reading people, you can tell it's jerky mm-hmm. or yeah, it, there's like a you, stiffness to it because you're self-conscious. Mm-hmm. Like there's something that plays out from inside of you that plays out in your physicality, which yeah. is kind of what I'm, what I'm studying again, just to yeah. come back to that. But it's just like, so I saw that transition happen. And then when you did the first the third show that um, of mine, right the at the Cole Center, the hip hop with a period. Um, you know, you talked about that journey, mm-hmm. yeah. and that was like it yeah. became more public. So I was like, oh, I kind of understand what happened, what happened, and how and how it happened because up to that point, house dance for me was just like it was not a thing. Yeah, you know, and I was with uh, yeah, I'm with you. Like to me, I was very. Um, close-minded towards it i just didn't really care for it like i, I would see it in the style to oof um trailers that they would put up at ibe and i'm like what the fuck are these guys doing they're dancing off beat when really they were on beat mm-hmm. um, more so on beat than a lot of breakers are and uh it was it was interesting but you know one thing that i wanted to um kind of touch on too was in terms of um what is it the battle the battle the battle attitude like it, it's like a not it's a cliche thing to say about house battles, but it's the truth. You're really battling yourself. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I think that a lot of people don't haven't really thought about, maybe they have, is that it really puts you in a puts it makes you put yourself in a vulnerable state. Because now you're like, when you get yourself in the mindset, of like, okay, I have someone that I'm dancing with, but my intention isn't to make them quit. My intention is let's get through this shit together, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. let's vibe and let's. Let's make it look good. Let's put on a show. Um, that sets you up because now that puts you in the vulnerable state. We're like, shit, now I really have to see what I'm made of. Mm-hmm. I got to battle myself into this now. And and that's one thing that I've thought about. I'm like, yeah, it's so interesting how it's how It's it a vulnerability, out. but I would also say it's like a building of muscle at the same time. Because I think about, I've thought about something very similar about breaking, um, how you're in a vulnerable position when you're breaking. Like you're in a literal vulnerable position getting on the ground, but you're building these muscles and you're also becoming, you're also becoming like you're building a strength and you could even say you're building like strength within a community because that's really what it's about. Cause yes, I don't know if I want to make you quit when I'm battling you as a breaker. I do want to make my presence felt. Mm-hmm. That's what I know. It's like, I want to make my presence felt. Maybe that's changed because mm-hmm. when I was younger, maybe I would have said like, I want to make you quit. Right. Yeah. But yeah. And house, because it's such a, maybe it, you're right. It is a cliche thing to be like, 
you know, we're sharing, we're exchanging, but it's true. Yeah. That, I think that that's what the difference is. And that's, that's why house was more, was like welcoming. And I've noticed actually that when I teach, I've taught like several trans and, um, like, uh, dancers that dress in drag right Mm -hmm. at the university Mm -hmm. and they are so much more comfortable and gender fluid are, are like so much more comfortable doing house Mm -hmm. than any other form that I teach. They might be interested in breaking and in rocking, but they can really like, um, the dancers feel much more comfortable in their bodies with these forms. Yeah. And I think it says something a lot different about it. Yeah. Well, it says something even in the battle, um, mentalities. When you see competitions, they don't divide and say, okay, house boys and house girls. Yeah. Just you know, house. It's just house. Yeah. It's just like, you know, you it's could dope. have, you could have Toyin go in and roast, you know, 15 dudes. I've seen it. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, and, and it's, it's something to be said about, in, in my opinion, I kind of feel like house is almost like a great equalizer. It's really a place where everybody can meld together. Yeah. Um, no matter what the, uh, no matter what your stance, your ideology, what you identify as, it's like you, you're all riding the same wave. Yeah. I mean, I would push back a little bit on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would push back just because we know where house comes from mm-hmm. and we don't see those same people in the competition. Yeah. Right. And I, I don't know if that means that that's not the place they should be in because that's competition. And mm-hmm. if it comes from a club and safe spaces for black and brown bodies mm-hmm. that are queer, mm-hmm. like, maybe you know the cypher like we've had this talk before i think where we've talked about like you know the breaking cypher doesn't feel safe to certain people yeah Mm -hmm. and those people happen to be people that um uh, feel uncomfortable around Mm -hmm. what they might perceive as hyper masculinity which sometimes it is Mm -hmm. yeah and it's homophobic sometimes Mm -hmm. sure and Mm -hmm. and that's why the cypher cannot be idealized right and i would think that yes the house cipher is more open, but there is a danger of idealizing that space as like full of limitless potential. Yes. And we do have to consider the other ways that people might not feel welcome in. There. Yeah. Uh, dude. You know, like I've yeah. never seen a disabled, like physically disabled house dancer in any of the big battles that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. True. I've never seen mm-hmm. the same thing for breaking either. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen some breakers that are like amazing. Mm hmm. But I haven't really seen, I, well, I think I've seen some like over like in European battles. Yeah. You know, but like they have to be super abled mm-hmm. in order to be in that battle, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it just makes me think a little bit. But I do like the idea that, that we don't have to separate genders mm-hmm. yeah. and that, that somebody can be non-binary and be in that cipher and it doesn't and, and they can be there. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's a more open way of feeling that welcomes different ways of moving and the battle mentality. It doesn't, you know, like it's not so it's still there. Yeah. It's still there, but it's different. Mm-hmm. Well, the the battle in house, uh, you know, Frankie J put it, he put it out well, where it's like, it's just a game. Yeah. That's all it is. It's, it's a game, you know, like it's a game that we all play. Um, and, it's really a game for yourself. You know, the, the whole deal is to compete against yourself, but that's, it's nothing more than that, you know? And, uh, but I will say, you know, with, with the cypher, it's kind of like how you're mentioning how there's some where it won't feel welcome. Of course, hundred mm-hmm. percent dancing in Europe. 
man, you know when you're not supposed to be in it. Yeah. And it's, uh, I'll say like probably majority of Europeans, they, they're athletes when it comes down to this shit, when it comes down to, to honestly any dance discipline or form out there, they're, they're really athletes. And it shows like the kind of cultural, that, the, the cultural approach that we take in, in the U S compared to them, where it's like, they treat it like, it's not, they treat it like a sport, but they, the way they, um, it's like they embody it into a professional level where they're so professional to the point where they can, it looks, it's like a, it's like a, to me, it's like, um, like a form of what we do here and how we think about things and how we were very open about it and this and that they did, they could do all of that. But at the same time, there's still going to be those clicks, you know, where you're just like, yeah, I'm going to chill here or you'll get tested. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it'll, like it'll it'll feel like you're in a breaking cipher because now mm-hmm. you're gonna I'm getting tested by Easy Lee from Russia, which I have I have last summer dance I was at. She tested me in the cipher. I wasn't doing shit. I was just chilling there watching her dance because I, I admire her movement. Mm-hmm. And then boom, she comes at me. I'm like, okay, <laughs> not I'm this isn't anything new to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, yeah, it it's very very interesting. And then if you think about this, right? Like, because again, ninety percent of house dancers come from breaking. What happens to for me when I get called out? Like when easily called me out right away, my b boy instinct yep. kicked in. Yep, I was like, "What the fuck?" Mm-hmm. You know. And there's something that tweaked where it's like, "Okay, I'm this is house." You You've know? gotten there. I haven't gotten there. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like that still happened. Like. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't, I don't know. Like that's, that's something that I, I, I examine. Right. Like deeply. And I, I wonder if that follows B-boys and B-girls for the long run, mm-hmm. you know, like, cause I mean, think about today, uh, cancel culture today. Mm-hmm. Think about the people that are getting called out. Like, how do they feel? Do they feel like it's like a call out in a cipher? Like, how do they, like, how do you feel? Like, I wonder, I, I truly wonder how I mean, people I react I think Rob it. handled it the best way that I've seen. You know, Rob Nasty was called out for a That's rocking right. battle where he, I think he touched uh, a woman and then he apologized. And then he went to, I think, some organized event where they talked to him and he just said he was wrong. Like he basically confronted what he did and, you know, didn't do it again and like retired, mm-hmm. like pretty much retired from from rocking. You know, I mean. I don't know. I haven't really seen him. It's it's been the pandemic, and I think this was two years ago. So I haven't really seen him um, do much as far as like rock. No, I think he's, he he's yeah, put he's yeah. put out like his videos. Right. Um, he's made that available, which is one of the greatest tools ever. If you are learning how to rock, yeah, rock mechanics. Um, the, the rock mechanics, like he's one of the best, um, in my opinion, and that's probably biased because I look at him as like a mentor. Um, you know, he's, um, he's basically a Jardy Santiago of rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yep. not because they're both Filipino. He's mm-hmm. li- like the way they, they've figured it out. Yeah. How to break stuff down. You know, they, they figured out the, the language for it. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it comes down to. Um, they walked the fence when it came down to it. They learned from a lot of people from, mm-hmm. uh, from almost every, every person you can think about. Mm-hmm. And they figured out the language. So, yeah, I mean, he has, he has my respect all the time, oh, 100%. especially, especially for calling out people when it's not popular, 
and you know doing what he does like he's a musician now making music for for dancers and he has he's just you know proven to be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and and a little wild <laughs> you know like he's a little <laughs> wild because he he just goes out and he yep. goes in and he tells you uh if you're not going to take care of breaking the Olympics, like I'm watching you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I would also like put out there that cancel culture is also a little bit, it seems like it's like a little bit of a myth for me because like you have to have a lot of power to cancel and to get canceled. Right. You know, not to say it doesn't happen. I see it in the local community. I see that shit happen. I, I've seen it happen a couple times, but I've also seen like, some horrendous shit happen and people not get canceled. Um, so I think it takes a lot of, I think it takes like power on both sides. Like you gotta be pretty well known to get canceled. And then someone that's at least well known has to try to cancel you. Maybe that happens in the culture a little bit, but I just, you know, like I think, I think about, you know, people here during, um, you know, the uprising that um, like white folks were getting called out by people from out of state for, for being breakers and for running businesses. And uh, you just don't have any power to cancel. Mm -hmm. So you can get mad, go for it. Like we can have a discussion or, or you can cuss them out. Um, But if they are benefiting the community and they, they have like proven their commitment and they keep proving it, then there's not really anything you can do, especially if you live in another state. Like, there's just right. What can you do? Yeah, exactly. You know the thing. The thing that you said very that hit spot on in, in this whole deal right here is discussion. Yeah. And if thinking back to the event that you're probably thinking about, mm-hmm. if that was on the forefront, then everything would have made sense to both parties. But because that wasn't there, and it was only it wasn't a discussion. It was just literally a call out. Yeah. Shit got fucked up. Yeah. But then nothing happened. Nothing happened. We live in a world where nothing happened. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I hate to be obscure, but I feel like I don't have the permission to say outright exactly what it is. So, so I'm just going to leave it there. But I think that if I've watched people from also, um, you know, leaders of well-known, uh, dance groups here in the twin cities, get written up in papers and accused of, of uh, sexual harassment, sexual assault. And they're still the head of these dance companies, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it, it like, that's, that's horrible, but they're not canceled. You know what I mean? And people tried to. So cancel culture to me has become something that like, I'm not sure if it's really real. I think people got called out during the Me Too, mm-hmm. like, or, or um, with the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. that deserved it. 100. percent Those people, those people deserved that shit. It didn't happen to people that didn't fuck up, and so, you know, you had people pretending that they were scared of it. But like, if you're, but like, you know what I mean? Like, it never happened mm-hmm. to other people. It happened to a few people that were in power that deserve that shit. And, you know, when we look at somebody today that like calls something cancel culture, like, uh, Matt Gates, the Republican Matt Gates, who's under investigation for sex trafficking, mm-hmm. um, with many women that he paid through Venmo. Mm-hmm. Come on now. 
Like that type of shit. Yeah. He should be like, like persecuted to the full extent of the law, but like, he's not going to get canceled. No. Like he's, he has too much power. He's still going to live his life and he's probably going to run for president. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just, I think, I think it's just a, it's just like a, you know, would you say it's uh, uh man waste of time? What? Not uh like the, the, um, I wonder, does the outcome of cancel culture make it a waste of time? I think that the result of it, I think that if people have committed wrongs, they should be held accountable. Yeah. So hold them accountable, but stop using this phrase as like a weapon. Like you're, you're like, it's, it, it, you know, I, I can't help but think that it's like the conservatives that use this like conservative, um, like as far as somebody that believes like a conservative, uh, you know, side of politics or that cons- that is conservative in, in maybe how they conduct their lives. I'm not really sure exactly, but people that use this, like if you're afraid of cancel culture, you probably have something to be afraid of. So I just, I, th- I think it's like, it doesn't hold a threat any longer. Right. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's not, it's not a real threat. Right. Like, I don't know. Like I remember in the, in the Twin Cities house dance group page when it was pretty much going to lead on to me possibly getting canceled just because due to the color of my skin, Mm. I was more than ever happy about it. I was like, cool, take over. I don't care. (laughs) You know, like, like, yeah, I care. But at the same time, good fucking luck. Well, I don't understand how... Yeah, I, I think that that that's. Yeah, I don't have anything to say about it because I think it's so stupid. <laughs> you know, yeah. like if if we've conducted ourselves, this doesn't mean like I, I don't think that like I have a, a entitlement in in breaking. I don't think that you have an entitlement in house. No, I've watched you build the community. I don't think you have an entitlement in rocking or house or locking, like or any of the forms that you do. I don't have an entitlement in shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't think that we operate in that way. Um, it doesn't mean that people that just look at us won't will not judge us, and I think that's also fine. Sure. Um, but I think when it gets deeper and someone's accusing you of something, and they don't happen to do their research. That's where that's where I think the cancel culture falls short. Yeah. Like if you're going to be like, you know, you're this race or you're you're you know you're a cisgender white man, you're going to get canceled. Um, I think that's where uh, that's where it it falls short if you've been doing work in the community. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you don't have responsibility and that you have to keep on you don't keep on working, but I think ignoring it and just keep working is always going to be the answer. Right. You know, cause right. You know, I think we've gotten a little off topic, but I also think that it's, it's just a, it's in a weird space at this moment. And I'm a white dude that runs a hip hop dance company. Yeah. You know, but I've made many strategic decisions in order to be able to be able to answer accountably. I make, all my business decisions uh, transparent to the rest of the people that are in mixtape. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm like, here's the information. This is why I did this here. You know, like, I'm just going to tell you straight up. You can ask me questions about it. But the reason why I became artistic director was that we needed to start making decisions. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, I wanted to push this into a higher, I wanted to keep expanding what it is. And so I take responsibility for a bad decision if I make one, but I work hard to make good decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, like as that's how it really should be in terms of how business is conducted, mm-hmm. where the person making decisions should really lay it on the table and explain step by step, like why why is this happening? Yeah, here's my motive. Blah, that's blah, part blah. of the mentorship. Yep. like that is part of mentorship. Period. Yeah. That's part of mentorship in mixtape where I'm going to show you a dancer from, from a dancer to the mentee, to the music director, to the visual director. I'm going to lay out why I do all these things and also invite you in to helping me make the decision. But also like, like I have to make a decision. Right. But I think making, I think you're right. Making it clear. That's, that's how a lot of, misunderstandings happen especially Mm -hmm. in business especially in community Mm -hmm. yeah you know we know we know from our years of being in this community that there have been many misunderstandings when it comes to performances to paying people like you have to come up with a clear contract it took me years to just have a clear contract Mm -hmm. because i just wanted to trust my friends Mm -hmm. But actually, if I give you a contract that's clear on what I expect from you mm-hmm. and what I'm going to do for you, like what I'm going to do and what you're going to do, here's how much you're going to get paid. Here's when you're going to get paid. Mm-hmm. We have an agreement. I'm promising something to you. You're promising to me. But, you know, and now we have an attorney as well. We have a company attorney that looks over all of our, our um, you know, our legal documents. Yeah. And so, which is important. Mm-hmm. I trust the people I work with, but I want to make sure that they feel good about it. Cause I think they need to know exactly what's being, ex- what's, what is expected. Yep. hundred percent, man. Like, um, you know, you and daylight were the ones that taught me not like that gave that, um, they, yeah, that literally taught me to, to have a contract when it comes down to as a dancer, to know your business because in for example like i on my contract i just recently updated and put a pandemic clause in there because shit man look what happened Mm -hmm. i had seven gigs lined up prior to or towards the end and in the middle of 20 towards the middle of 2020 Mm -hmm. seven gigs lined up all of them canceled yeah dj dance supposed to go to iowa to university of iowa to teach like a three-day seminar, Mm. all that canceled. So you literally got to, dancers, if you're listening to this, make up a contract, drop a contract right away. There's contracts online that you can look at and and, Mm -hmm. just adjust them at your your own leisure at at any specific way you want to. Mm -hmm. But create yourself a contract because that shit is no joke. Yeah, think about how long it takes you to create whatever it is that you're going to present to someone else. Are you getting paid minimum wage? Mm Mm-hmm to do your work, you know, like that's what we did in mixtape is to be like this year's the first time because we had an amazing visual director, shout out to V Paul Vertuccio. Um, he put us on a schedule. We had never been on a schedule schedule cause we had to get our, all of our dance films done by, um, 
by the beginning of January so he could edit them for a month and then we could go back and forth because our collaborative process is like that where we go back and forth with music and dance and film. So um, he put us on this schedule and that made us start to think about how many hours do I ask you to work on this film? How much am I paying you? What does that break down to? Are you making enough money here? And then I started going, what am I doing with my dancers? How much, how much am I paying my dancers per hour? So then I broke down like, okay, I'm asking them to practice like three hours a week. And I'm asking them to practice three hours a week for like three months. And I'm asking them to sit outside and practice in, in fucking freezing cold weather. Um, what is that? Like how much, how much am I paying people per hour? Am I making it worth their time? And so I would start to cut hours and I started encouraging everybody else to look at how much you're paying people. And it's not just a lump sum. That's what we should not, that's, that's kind of the point of what I'm saying is like someone's paying you $2,000, but you're teaching for, let's say like three days for, you know, 10 hours total, let's just say. Mm -hmm. So you're getting paid, you know, $20, $200, $200 an hour. Is that right? That math is right. Yep, that math is right. So two hundred dollars an hour for ten for um, for ten hours. But how much how much did, time did you spend making up the lesson? Right, right. You include that in there, okay? So now maybe you're getting paid a hundred dollars an hour. Great, right? But then you also spent time driving there, and you spent time on you know you bought food or whatever. It doesn't mean you don't take the gig. It just means that you're much more aware of your finances. You're much more aware of how things break down and what you're worth as a dancer, right. what you're worth as a teacher, what you're worth as a DJ. You know what I mean? Like these things are important. It doesn't mean that we don't do stuff for community. It just means that you keep track of your shit and you help other people do it as well. hundred mm-hmm. percent, dude. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, you know, you got to lay out your terms and you got to make sure that both parties are in agreement with those terms. Yeah. And if they are, then boom, execute and make shit happen and then keep on going so, <laughs> like the fucking uh, make shit happen and keep on going like the energizer buddy there you go just, just gotta keep yeah, on going be, there are so many templates online no, we, none of us have an excuse for not figuring out how we're going to conduct our business right you know and it took me this long so I'm not going to shame anybody no there's it's not no, about that there's no shaming it, it, it takes us a long time and, yeah. and really at the end of it too it, you got to want to do it yeah like you know, <laughs> and do it every day. Answer your emails. Yeah. Like do, these are the things that are basic for being a, a good, responsible person, professional person. It doesn't matter what you're in. Answer your emails is like number one. If somebody can't keep answering their emails, like you can't keep up on that. I don't know what to tell you, but like there are these small things that we just have to do. If we plan on being successful at what we do, you don't have to be the best breaker, but if you can keep track of your shit, you can make a living at making art. Dude, the the number one thing that the always the number one thing that everyone that has hired me always says is, "Wow, you are fast at getting me stuff." I'm like, "Yeah, cuz that's how it should be." Yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not the fucking late dancer that gets you this shit, that sends you music uh 30 minutes before. No. I'm sending it to you right now. Yeah. I'm sending you my papers right now. <laughs> I have to stop myself sometimes from answering emails right away. 
Like, well, you got to think about it. You have to think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have to think about it, but you also have to know what's important and what's not important. All right. Do I really need to answer this at 11 o'clock at night? Mm-hmm. Probably not. You know what I mean? Like you also have to draw boundaries. That's another thing is like you work from, you know, you can set a work day for yourself, even if you're an artist so that you don't over, you don't burn yourself out because mm-hmm. whether or not you don't think it'll happen, it'll happen. Oh yeah. And maybe it's creative. Maybe you're just working too many hours. It doesn't have to be about dance. It's just, you know, being able to regulate your time and knowing that I you know I can't, I can't talk to you after 10 PM. I can't do business after 10 PM. My brain is tired. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. I'll answer it tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock when I've like had coffee at mm-hmm. eight o'clock, whenever you feel like you're ready, but it's smart, man. Yeah. It's good time management. You know? So, <laughs> and this is a podcast on how to become an adult. Yeah. I don't know. We kind of <laughs> meandered into some other shit. That's fine. Uh, you know, falling asleep? Nope. <laughs> I'm actively listening. Uh, yeah, it turns on I traded roles today. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? We traded roles oh. today. We passively traded roles today. Normally, He's very much so engaged in the conversations and I'm actively listening and learning and, mm. and just trying to take a lot of mental notes cause I'm fucking learning. Yeah. Um, but today it's for whatever reason different. I don't know why. That's cool. Uh, I, I think, uh, I mean, we don't have a plan of what we're talking about. No, you know, one thing I, I kind of want to mention cause it's a, such a fun story. Mm-hmm. Um, to me it's, it's fun was, uh, during the times of misunderstanding between our crews, mm-hmm. between my well, my crew and your crew, yes, at the time, those are so, <laughs> those are so <laughs> fucking funny ass moments, and I felt like I was the um, what do you call it, the messenger, because mm. I don't know if you hit me up when we had that. It was like a final battle that we all did, and it was at first stab, yeah, Saturday. Yep, too much love. It was on stage. Yep, and after that, everything I feel like I felt like everything got squashed after yeah. that. I think there was just a lot of shit talking that happened up to that point. Right. There was a lot of like physical contact that was happening up to that point. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was between many members, yeah. you know, and, and it was, it wasn't healthy for the scene and it, it just got so hectic that I'm glad that, that, you know, that happened because I think, and I think it lingered a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it lingered a little bit longer because, a lot of us couldn't let it go, including myself. I mean, I couldn't really let go of that battle mentality. But I think as the scene got bigger, we be, we all began to see that there's there was more at stake than just like our egos. Mm-hmm. And you know, like Joe uh, definitely instigated a lot of shit. I'm gonna I'm gonna just say <laughs> shout out to Minnesota Joe, right? And uh, Los, and like uh, they uh, they started a lot of shit, but. They also got really humble at some at certain points too, and they were like, they were really just you know down to earth and honest about how they felt, and I think that that's part of what helped. And then having people like Boogie, kind of come up in the scene, yeah, like Boogie B, he, you know, he was younger, and like we were just like looking at him and Looney Tunes and and Optimistic and all of the all of the Moan crews that were coming up at that moment, and we're like, we have to kind of stop, right? We have to stop fighting. Because all these kids are coming up, and, and we want to grow our scene, dude. It was um, it was so crazy because there was just so much misunderstanding. And I think what really 
So that battle to me is what what I experienced. At least I don't. Know, I felt like I've always been a messenger for that crew because I don't. Know, I just never had beef with anyone, and if I did, it was just on some battle shit, just like clowning type of shit. Um, but it was never to a physical level. I don't think. Uh, but I think what really um, flattened everything out was Zulu. Was Omega Zulu hmm. the um, the original Omega Zulu? You know, with, yeah. with Stepchild and Annie up and stuff. You know, because yeah. if you think about it, both like you joined, I joined, Los joined. Like it was like a, and then it, we what well, we ended up creating like a really good friendship from that too. Yeah. And stuff like it was, yeah, man. I mean, um, it played a big role because we thought we were some. We we felt like we were part of something bigger, mm-hmm. and I think that was really important. You know, the there are reasons. You know, we can always point out the things that are negative about Zulu, um, especially at you know after uh, with Bam. Mm-hmm. But what it served here, and you know, I give respect to the people that are keep go- keep it going. Yeah, like DJ yeah. Francisco. Yep. Um, Truth Maze, yeah, right? And Mark Hall. Yeah. Um, and and True Heads Clothing. Um, uh, Neil Taylor. Yeah. I th- I think, like, I have a lot of respect for them for keep for keeping it going. We had to step away, but what what was important? We had one of the biggest chapters in the Midwest. It was most. It was. It was just like so many different, um, so many different people were in that group, and we did a lot of supporting each other. We were super hype on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and it, it did bring us together. I was very, very proud of that. It, it's hard to wear those things now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it sucks because I like I, those medallions are amazing. I know, <laughs> and and it means something to me still. But right, but. Yeah, I can see how that would be like a a thing that kind of brought us all together. Yeah, man. Turnstile joined too. Yeah, you're right yeah. there, Sergeant. Yeah, Arms. that's yeah. Uh, when Turnstile and I started getting pretty close too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was due to Zulu. Yep. Like Zulu literally brought a lot of a lot of people together, man. And you know, more than anything, I think Charlie, Stepchild, yeah. and Annie. Up. Because they're because of their actions and what they did and the shit that they had to go through to get it out to open up a chapter here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they sacrificed a lot and they yeah. literally went. I mean, they went to New York constantly, and they did like the real work yeah. of that over and over again. And so, yeah. So shout out to Stepchild and Annie up. Yep. 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 They deserve it. You know, hundred percent, man. Yeah. Yeah. Those two are like. Some of the most underrated dancers too. Yep. Fucking hard ass working people. Yeah. You know, especially Annie. Mm-hmm. I still remember the the hip hop show when she decided to do that the um one of the pieces with you guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I'm looking at my head. I'm thinking in my head like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> oh, it was the freeze. The, the freeze. The freeze yeah. piece. We did a freeze piece that was like a minute and a half long. That was all freezes. And now it seems like, you know it seems sort of normal now. Mm-hmm. Like everybody would kind of do that. Yeah. But at that point, I think, I mean, maybe it's still, maybe it's still something, I think it's still, still, still something special, but it was like wealthy and boogie and me and Annie. And it's just like all freezes for a minute and a half where you yeah. go up and down to handstands and shit. And yeah, 
no feet touched the ground. So, yeah, it was dope. <laughs> it was dope. It was hard. Mm-hmm. There was, like, a point, uh, one of the rehearsals where Charlie and I decided to just try it for the hell of it. Mm-hmm. And, like, as soon as I did that first handstand, I just stayed there. I was like, yeah, I'm not going down. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm just going to chill here, man. Uh, my elbows are still wrecked from all those elbow ups back yep. in 2004. I'm good. <laughs> elbows. So, yeah, man. Yeah, that was a good time. I mean, Minnesota has built, you know, I think it's plateaued now. I think people would get mad at me if they hear, hear me say plateaued. No, I, I think it's right. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, it's, I mean, it's tough. There's a lot of things that play into it. Mm-hmm. But the scene definitely isn't where it was. Yeah. Well, and that's okay mm-hmm. because it was growing. Yeah. And so it grew. And then some of that had to be like, I don't know, um, kind of like shed mm-hmm. in order to make this stronger, more mature scene. And that's what we get with people like Boogie and Minnesota Joe and Wealthy that like, like they have come into their own. Um, as well as Mona Lisa and um, I mean, I think the breaking scene helped other scenes establish themselves as well. Right. Like mm. not, not like we helped, but I would say that you're uh, the prototype the, of, of what, and it's also like they like. shared space. So right. like mm-hmm. there'd be breaking and popping battles mm-hmm. and now there's popping battles. Other would be like, like breaking and crump battles or all styles battles really. And now all styles battles have become, you know, obviously much more popular. And crump is like the main form yeah. that you will see in, in the Minnesota dance scene, the hip hop and street dance scene. The crump scene is very well alive yeah. here in Minnesota. Yeah. And, you know, shout out to Herb because when I first got like aware of him, he was coming out to breaking events. Yeah. And he was breaking. Just Blaze. That yeah. was his name. Just Blaze. Yeah. And popping, man. And, and popping. Like, a popper, too. Bla- I think it was just Blaze. Yeah, it was, Blaze. It wasn't just Blaze. It was Blaze. It was Blaze. <laughs> I, I, I still yeah. call him Blaze every once Why in a while. Why was it Blaze, Herb? I'm just kidding. I know. Right. <laughs> Blaze Herb? Yep. That's funny. But, yeah. And, um, you know, these, these things kind of always seem to go back to, you know, kind of... I always, I always think of, like, breaking almost as, like, the cannabis... Mm-hmm. Of, of 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 like the the dance styles, right? It's like everybody can always equate. I mean, shit. You you go back to like a lot of like established um, dancers who all can go trace their point of origin back to taking your breaking class at mm-hmm. Xenon mm-hmm. and being able to say, yeah. "Yo, I took your breaking class. I did it for you know three months or whatever, and then you put me on to popping and then introduced me to dancing Dave. And in turn, I became a funk stylist and I found that was really where my, Sorry about Tracy. Yeah. Just, <laughs> TNT. You, know, you know, just talking about like, yeah. and you know, it was the same with me. You know, I, I desperately wanted like in the, in, in like the very like pit of my heart, I wanted to be an established B-boy in the scene. And then I had to come to terms with that. I had to come mm-hmm. to terms with the fact that I was just not, I mean, I, I always loved breaking. Um, I could do breaking, but I knew I was never going to be great at it. And it wasn't because, uh, for like lack of trying or like, you know, lack of discipline or anything else like that. But there's like a kind of a, there's a a different gravitas that I had going to martial arts than I did anything else in my life. Right. And I realized that that gravitas existed in locking, but even more so in house. Like I really started to like find 
my voice. I mean, because like a lot of people still would cite me as being like you know one of the lockers of the Twin Cities, and you know and that's cool, or even a, a rock dancer. But really, like where I find you know the most um, contentment in my in my movement is through house, hmm. and that I would not have gotten you know if I didn't start going to breaking sessions, if I didn't start going to um, I mean shit, I even remember taking uh, just the support um, me and Tracy and Omar. Mm-hmm. all came out and took one of your classes at Xenon. Mm. And what was nice about that was um, the fact that that was one of the first times that I had actually gone to a breaking class where it wasn't just like, hey, everybody pay me money to watch me dance and impress you. And then every once in a while, someone will just say like, oh, yeah, you know, you you guys are whack. You guys can't do your freezes on this side of your body or whatever. It's like, no, you were very concise. Like you would, you were just like, you were standing there and you did everything almost like a military warm up where you said, okay, it was bad. We're just going to sit down. It was bad. And you're like, put your hand up. Everyone puts their hand up. It's like, put your hand down on the floor, put your hand on the floor. You, you didn't say anything. You just, you just did the movements and everyone had to Pull copy you, warm up. you know? And it was bad. But, but what I dug about that was that that was kind of, um, that almost goes back to like, um, what you would see in just basic military training, right? Where they say, okay, we are going to teach you your right from your left, up and down. We're going to teach you everything because some people are going to get it right away. And there's other people who are like, hey, I've never, I've never been like told what to do mm. in my life entirely, like at all. I was always just kind of left to my own devices. And, and then, so you have to start somewhere. So you have to start with that foundation. And then from that foundation, what I think was really good was that people would get that foundation and then they kind of know deep inside like if they had the push to mm. continue with that training that pursuit or if all of a sudden somehow or another they went to a couple of jams and then they started seeing ciphers of different styles of dance and they go yo what's up with this and you go oh hey you want me to introduce you to you know i think you know you might dig this mm. and the all that stuff was important i mean much the same way that you were even saying uh talking about zulu it was more of what we did as a minnesota scene mm-hmm with that as a as a tool as opposed to because uh, i had this re- re- uh, revelation about that um before because i used to think that like you know oh we need to get validated by new york in order to be really like legit as hip-hop and then i realized like down the road when i started ru- running in other people who were familiar with zulu and had seen all the bridges that various uh, chapters had burned and what other people had done they were like yo we love minnesota because of how you guys just are you know, that's what's impressive because we don't get that shit when we deal with this chapter, that chapter, this chapter, that chapter. Hmm. And that told me something about Minnesota. That told us something about not only our scene, but who we were as individuals and how we all came together to kind of uh, show, you know, what something could be. And um, as a dancer, you know, I, um, I always, I always like felt, you know, a, I always felt like I was trying to play catch up with the rest mm-hmm. of the scene, and B, I never, for the longest time, I never felt validated. Right. You know, I I was always like I was at everything. Yeah. But I still kind of felt almost as if like uh, it's kind of like uh, like fourth grade in uh, in the uh, the mid '90s movie, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like you're always seen, you're always there, but you're not actually like you're not the guy sticking the kickflip, you're not the guy doing the heel flips, you're not the one that's like actually doing the heroic tasks yeah and then um i just started focusing on um the work and saying okay well you know 
it, it may it may pop up someday it may not i don't know but i'm just going to show that i love the scene and i love mm-hmm. dance and i love hip-hop and i love funk and i love soul and i love house these are all the things that actually move and inspire me so i'm just going to continue to participate and just keep doing me right and then i all of a sudden just started popping up on people's radar mm-hmm. which was strange to me because for the longest time you know it's like at that point where i was like the most hungry I was not getting any kind of props yeah. or compliments. That's because we could yep. see you were hungry. Right. And then when all of a sudden I was just like, you know, okay, fuck all of it. I, I don't need anybody's validation. Mm-hmm. I don't need anybody's seal of approval. Then all of a sudden people were like, hey, come over here. Yeah. You know? And I got invited out to things. And it was like a little bit more like, you know, and that, that also changed um, the, the level of like responsibility that I, mm-hmm. I understood too because – there's a lot of people that make this mistake when they go into dance, especially like when they see ciphers, they kind of feel as if like when they see the cipher, they feel very intimidated because it's all these people that are on like this like high level and you have to be self-actualized. You have to be able to say, A, am I able to jump into this conversation? B, do I have something to say? And C, is it going to be relevant in regards to what the other people are already saying and doing mm-hmm. kinetically? And sometimes people they really want to get in the cypher but they don't have the vocabulary yet and they get upset they feel as if almost like a little kid that you know where they have to go up to their mom and say you know hey mom the big kids won't let me play and the mom has to go over and yell at everybody and they go well we're we're playing like full court ball right now we're like smashing into each other and throwing elbows and stuff so do we really want a seven-year-old in the middle of all this Hmm? you know it's like well let them shoot a couple baskets and you you kind of do that and that and everything but it's like but it's not really like legitimate it's not really honest and then you start saying well yo um i see that you come out to the court all the time so why don't we run some drills after everybody's done and you start you're passing to the kid and you teach them Mm -hmm. how to dribble and you teach them how to shoot and then eventually it's like they start getting some size on them and they start getting better and better and then finally you're like yo come out next week you know uh, we need somebody for a pickup game you know and and I think that that's really where people, if you stay in it long enough and you just focus and just kind of like let go and just let the process just work, you'll eventually find that, yeah, you, you go to practices, you run through movements, you try to like learn and know your body and mm-hmm. understand movement and mechanics and physics. And then eventually, you know, you get invited to sit at the the bigger table sometimes yeah i agree i mean you know? i agree yeah i agree that 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 definitely happens and sometimes sometimes it doesn't right so um and i think of like you know i i think that i don't i you know i try not to make everything um it, it shouldn't be about identity but at the mm-hmm. same time sometimes it is mm-hmm. you know and some te- some people will never get invited because they'll never they'll never have that respect they'll never be seen that way Mm -hmm. um just because they might move differently right um Mm -hmm. or they might they might decide that they're against moving Mm -hmm. in a particular way but they just don't like you for whatever reason yeah who knows It, it but i but i do i mean i do remember when you were you know when i think it was just because you didn't care as much um because there's that, there's that, you know, you can feel people's energy mm-hmm. and you can feel if they want something from you. Mm-hmm. And if it's a continuous want, then, then it becomes like, if I expect there's a continuous want all the time, mm-hmm. then it's hard for me to be like around 
right. someone because I've been the person that's had the continuous want. Right. So I know exactly how that feels. And, and I think when, like I said before, when we were talking, like when you get comfortable in what you were doing, like when Ozzy was like comfortable mm-hmm. being a house dancer and not letting, you know, the way that, you know, other people in the scene might be thinking about house mm-hmm. at that moment when you start the moment where you start getting comfortable in your body and then you go out and do other things and people are like, Oh shit, Ozzy's doing his other things. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and he's like good at it and he's enjoying it. Right. Then you start the house scene, mm-hmm. you know, or you restart the house scene or you, you, you build a different type of house scene, mm-hmm. you know? And the same thing goes for, when you were not asking, yeah, you know, and then all of a sudden people are asking you to come out to do, you know, a battle, mm-hmm. funk styles battle, mm-hmm. but then getting into house, mm-hmm. you know, and like following house and house is where you excel, mm-hmm. you know, and it's obviously like why you play that music too. Mm-hmm. Like there's a different kind of love for what it is. Cause you weren't playing hip hop for mm-hmm. breaking, right? You weren't playing funk for funk styles. Mm-hmm. So, and and there, there is that thing too, that you, you think about it. Sometimes it comes with age and experience too, of, um, you know, a person wanting or being needy and you don't want to, um, if you're going to give props, you want to make sure that they're legitimate. Otherwise what that's going to do is that's going to destroy their character. You know, you don't want to inflate somebody only for them to be popped by somebody when they're Mm. not prepared. Right. Mm -hmm. And that, that was a a lesson that I I had to really go back and do some serious soul searching because I was going like, yo, I keep banging on the door. And it's just like, I felt like, like nobody was letting me in. And then I stopped and I realized I was like, okay, well, what was the thing that I did differently in martial arts that gave me access to so many things that I got to do? And quiet, quiet was one. Um, And the other was starting off in a basement with my Sifu and every kid that was by blood right entitled to learning his family martial art because they were all Hmong and I was the only one that wasn't and none of these guys would talk to me or they all insisted on only speaking Hmong and Monglish around me and they didn't realize that I knew a bit more Hmong than I let on mm-hmm. so I knew that a lot of the stuff that they were saying was like very insulting and you know they were kind of like you know almost taking bets on when the white boy was going to wash out and then little by little I started seeing <clears throat> I started seeing that the basement was becoming less occupied. We started having more space. Until finally it was like the Navy SEALs. Everybody else did a drop on request and I was the only one by myself. And that's really where the real work came into play. Because now I started walking to my Sifu's house and they were all chilling on the porch, looking at me going in there and they're going like, Oh, this guy's fucking crazy. You know, he, he's willing to go down there and like stomp his feet on that cold basement floor Mm -hmm. and do footwork drills and do this, this, and this, and this. Okay. Well, and then at first they were even like throwing insults, you know, they would like start throwing, you know, Hey, you know, white boy, show me some Tai Chi, you know, and everyone would be laughing. Oh yeah. White Jet Li and all that shit. Mm -hmm. And then finally, after like a year, the, even the insults stopped. And then these guys were all like, Hey, you know, your Sifu's not home. Um, because he, uh, he, had, he had an errand he's got to run, but you can come over and chill with us while we were getting ready to eat. you know. And I'm like, oh, word, okay, because I, I knew before you wouldn't piss on me if I was on fire. you know. And, um, and they were like, yeah, but you know, 
we've been watching you like the whole time. We've been watching you, even though you thought that, you know, we weren't giving you the time of day. We were actually like observing you and you got a lot of discipline and you got a lot of character and we respect that. Mm. And so I had to go back within myself to really think about that. And I thought about that in dance and it was more frustrating because at least in martial arts, um, the aesthetics don't necessarily matter as much. It's more about like if you're competent in the training and in the process, right? But like in dance, it's mostly about how you look. And very, very, very seldomly is it about like mm-hmm. what you feel or how you are. I mean, the, case in point, so many amazing dancers that have horrible fucking character, but people will give yeah. them the door because they go, well, you're very disciplined because you work so hard at mastering this craft. It's like, but don't leave that person alone in your apartment and yep. lock up your shit because you know that if you go back, you know, you're going to be like missing some money off of your dresser or something. And I, I had to really reevaluate. Um, and, and I said, okay, well, I can either get mad. I can either be kind of like, you know, okay, fuck all you guys. You know, I'm just going to like turn away from this. Or I'm going to take this as an opportunity to really do that, that shadow work to see, okay, um, am I worthy to stand amongst these people? Um, do I have the ability to earn respect? Mm-hmm. Not just like walk up and just like ask for it, but actually like earn it. Mm-hmm. And then also I'm like, what would have happened if you guys like right off the bat would have just like opened up the door and given me carte blanche? I'm like, I wouldn't have had the skill to really be, you know, who know who knows there, what would have happened, you then. know, but I mean, I think, uh, being part of a community takes time mm-hmm. and that is the one thing that you can't you can't get around it yeah like you could be you could be super dope mm-hmm. but if you're not accepted in the community you're not accepted in the community it just takes time and it takes right. like that's that's one of the biggest things that uh about these types of communities is that you know you have to earn it and so when people talk about these communities or write about these communities, they're often not part of them because mm-hmm. you don't get, you can't spend five years getting to know people. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's like, that's why I think it's, it's a, just a really important thing to, yeah, you have to earn it. Mm-hmm. And it's not the same way that each generation has to do it differently, but it's always yeah. longevity. Right. Right. It's whether or not you, you keep coming to practice or, mm-hmm. you know, you just keep showing up right. and you can be super whack. Mm-hmm. But if you show that you care about the community, you're putting you're actually at that time, you're actually putting in, you're showing that you care about the culture mm-hmm. and you care about learning and you care about, um, you care about being something, being part of something that, I don't want to say exclusionary because mm-hmm. everybody wants to get in on this inclusion thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's, an, it's, it's exclusionary sometimes. It is, man. It is. It's literally a club, right? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, um, it's a club that I feel like anyone can get into, but they just have to be genuine. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, of, sometimes, you know, yeah. like, I hesitate you know. to, to make like, to make an absolute statement about, about breaking or about house yeah. or about any of our communities that we're mm-hmm. part of because right. it's not unconditional. Right. Yeah. You know, like there are things that well, people it, would not accept. And it's a meritocracy in a lot of ways. I mean, and, and not just in like in 
the superficial skill. It's also about kind of uh, the same way that you would see in like surf and skate culture as well. It's about like your deeds that you do on, on land and on foot mm-hmm. that also will transmit over to what you do in the water. It's like, yo, we're going to, we're going to shut out and uh, block a wave for you because of the fact that you were willing to throw tile at Val's who decided to come out to our surf spot, mm-hmm. right? You put in the, the grunt work. So we're going to make them, you know, the room for you to be able to shine and to have your moment. But at the same time, um, I think that, you know, again, it goes back into that self-actualization and it's a, it's a real, it's a really interesting kind of, um, balance because you say, okay, well, what if, what if I was like finally given the room to be able to do, what am I going to do? Do I know what I'm going to do? Have Mm -hmm. I practiced anything? How much room do you need? How much room do you need? Yeah. And sometimes, um, you know, I always equate a lot of it to going back to skateboarding, like the, uh, the Lance mountain paradigm, mm-hmm. right? It was like, he was the, he was like the most, like if, if it was like the high school yearbook of the bones brigade, he was least likely to succeed, you know, um, by everybody's standard. They were all like, yeah, this guy's a fucking joke, but he turned around and actually became one of the elite stars. And he also became a very competent skater. And he also had a model, that he, you know, and he got real good into conceptual art and design. He's, he's such a a talented overall guy. And, um, you know, of course, yeah, he wouldn't ever consider himself like on that same level as like Rodney Mullen or Tony Hawk. Mm -hmm. But what was interesting was that he was so good at just kind of being like a jack of all trades that people said, yo man, this guy, you know, he was like the second person after Mike McGill to learn the McTwist Mm -hmm. and he got it before Tony did. And, um, he also was like one of the first, uh, skaters to, uh, transmit over from skate, like being a pro skater to being a filmer, like actually being on boards mm. and like, you know, skating behind people in pools and like, mm. you know, being able to be like right on their tail to get different types of camera angles, That's crazy. you know, and, um, he also simplified it too. Yeah. And, and he made it accessible to other people where people said, yo, I'm not on that level where I get to have like a skate park in my backyard, but Lance gets to show me that I can just putts around my neighborhood mm-hmm. and do all this stuff and find opportunity in places that are mostly just like left. And I think that, yeah, there, there is a place, there is a lane for everybody, but it's also about like, again, self, self-actualization. You go out to practices and maybe you're sessioning for a while and you realize, yeah, breaking is really hard. But what I did fall in love with was the music. I want to know more about that. And mm-hmm. then you start messing around with production. And then all of a sudden somebody in, you know, at a practice goes, yo, man, we really need somebody to like put all this shit together. And you go, well, can I, can I make something for you guys? And you tell me if you like it and you make a mix right. and they go, yo, I didn't know you DJed. And you're like, yeah, I've been fucking with it for a little bit, you know, on the side. Mm-hmm. And they go, okay, well, can you make another one? You know, and you're like, yeah, can you use these tracks? Oh yeah, sure. Next thing you know, you're an established DJ. I mean, common, you know, was started off as a B boy, mm-hmm. became this prestigious MC. Mm-hmm. He, everybody had like their starting point, yeah. um, at, at, uh, somewhere. And then they were able to find a different Avenue in hip hop that they found that like their, their, uh, their talent really flourished in. So yeah, I, I can't, um, and and that and that's uh, that that's one of my big mistakes that I make aside from talking too goddamn much, <laughs> is um, that I do have like an ability to really like say with like conviction a lot of times things that sound absolute, but I'm a little bit more realistic than that. I know. Well, I'm that, just pushing back. Yeah, I'm pushing back on both of on both yeah. of you guys a little bit, but like that's and, that's 
important. And, and, and I respect that because that's part of, again, that's part of cipher etiquette, right? It's never just simply like to let you just do your round and then go, okay, good job. Okay. And go off there. It's like, Oh, this was an idea. I'm going to challenge your thesis. Mm-hmm. You know, I would also say that like change is incremental. Uh-huh. We don't notice change, mm-hmm. right? And I would uh, so that's I'm I'm talking specifically about you know being accepted mm-hmm. into the community. Yeah, and it, it's not any different than it was for me. Right. You know, I I think that it was something that like you had to earn. You had to earn in specific ways. It was different earning it in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. and that was mostly like. That was like mostly based on ability, but there were no, we, we there were no like quote unquote gatekeepers, right? Mm. Because everybody was dancing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But here in Minnesota, it was different. Mm-hmm. It was much. It was much more exclusive. You had to get approval from, you know. For me, it was like rhyme sayers and head. It was it was headshots, mm-hmm. and it was um, abstract pack. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. So it was these rappers and DJs that that were like, okay, you can you can come on stage and dance with us at mm-hmm. this coffee house, and even though I had already earned my respect with my crew, mm-hmm. it still was like it, it was actually it was before we put together Battle Cats, it was before we put together Rock Force, mm-hmm. and it was me going with Daylight to these shows, these Rhyme Sayer shows, and like just just breaking and right. seeing what what the vibe was and so um then you know being then creating the crew then being accepted as part of rhyme sayers collective right. and and so like that builds but the the point is is that change is incremental mm-hmm. sort of like 30 years ago we had rodney king being beaten on the side of the road filmed and all of those cops got away because they were tried in Simi Valley, which was an all-white um, suburb of L.A. Yep. Or I think it was, yeah, I want to say L.A. Yeah. Um, but we had, in Minnesota, a cop being held accountable finally. Mm-hmm. Things do change. That doesn't mean that everything has changed, right. obviously. Obviously. There's a lot of work. We'll find out with Dante Wright. Mm-hmm. We'll find out with the young woman in Ohio. I think it was in Ohio or Chicago um, mm-hmm. that was killed mm-hmm. during the trial. We'll find out with that 13-year-old in Chicago. Mm-hmm. We'll find out if, if these type of things will change. But we would have never had this verdict 30 years ago. It takes incremental change, and mm-hmm. it happens slowly over time until something happens and everybody's like, this is the change. Right. But no, actually there's been this pressure being put right. uh, on, on the, you know, on police mm-hmm. for a long time on the justice system for right. a long time. And finally the department of justice is going to investigate the Minneapolis policing practices, mm-hmm. you know, finally. But that's, it's always, I think that that's like, it's something to always remember is that change. If you're not paying close enough attention, like it's always happening. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's going to take you a long time to to get noticed. It's going to take a long time to be part of a community. And then it's going to take the rest of your life to make sure that you're being accountable. Right. That plays out in so many ways. You know, it's mm-hmm. not just breaking. It's not just dance. It's, you know, it's the present moment. That's right. why it's connected. It's con- It's all connected. Like, all these things are, from how we break, is deeply connected to... Um, 
the Derek Chauvin trial. Right. We can never forget where this comes from. Mm-hmm. And we can never forget that how people move created a dance form mm-hmm. because they were told to move a specific way right. during that time when that dance form was created. Right. So why does breaking look low to the ground, space taking, um, tr- and traveling, um, big movements? It wasn't looking, it didn't look that way because white folks were going to come into the neighborhood and film it and put it in a movie. Mm-hmm. It looked that way because it was a celebration, mm-hmm. but also it was a crisis, mm-hmm. but also it was joy. Mm-hmm. So it's something to think about, like, why does house look the way it looks? Right. Mm-hmm. It came out of a certain time mm-hmm. from certain people, and it looks that way because those people were told they couldn't be in other places. Right. right? So there's like, there's, I think there's a way to look at those things and then connect them to the present day because right. it's not just, so how do people move today? Mm-hmm. Right. You know? 100%. You know, I love, what I love about workshops, uh, dance workshops, is I, I rather hear the way someone, like I rather listen to the way someone thinks mm-hmm. rather than like learn movements mm. from them and stuff. And um, like uh, sometimes I'll pay for a workshop just to sit in and listen to them talk. Right. That's the most fascinating thing to me ever. Because we can, I can learn a chase or a pot of beret anytime. All I got to do is just watch you do it, and then practice it a few times, and I got it. Mm-hmm. Cool. But I want to know why you're moving like that. I want to know why you don't call it the pot of beret. You know what I mean? Like yeah. those kind of things. Right. 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 I want to know the thinking behind yeah. how yeah. you're yeah. you're seeing. Do you see the reasons why we shouldn't? Right. Yeah. And, like and, those I, things. and I like it when there's an explanation. When I took when we took Randy Harris's workshop. Um, he corrected me mm-hmm. and he was like, uh, I showed him, I was like, yeah, you know, and then you do the swirl. So I did a swirl and he's like, that's a two step. I'm like, really? He's like, my friend, this is a swirl. And when he did it, I was like, holy shit, that actually looks like a swirl. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So then from there on, I was like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to, now here's my way of how I'm going to approach it. This is going to be for me. Mm-hmm. Like only is I want to say that, Okay. There's because the first swirl that I learned was from Jardy. Mm-hmm. But granted, when he did it, he had really baggy pants. So it looked like a swirl already. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you got then you got to think about fashion. How, how did fashion look? So now you got to add a little more oomph into your steps. So now I, I approach it where, okay, here's two levels of a swirl. There's level one, which is this, mm-hmm. which can be considered a two step. Yep. And then here's an actual swirl, mm-hmm. which is what a lot of. A lot of the OGs and a lot of prominent dancers from the East Coast, you know, mm-hmm. take in, take it into play. And I'm like, right. You know. And it's, it, it kind of, uh, sometimes taking those workshops only for just for that experience reminds me of like, you know, you cited before Dune, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to say, oh, wow, there's a new anniversary edition that's going to have an additional commentary by this person. Mm-hmm. It's like, I really want to just buy this just so I could hear that commentary i want to know or it's got a metal casing yeah i just want the metal you know, casing you know it's like there might be <laughs> there might be something else it's like you've seen the movie a thousand times but then when all of a sudden you listen to the 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 commentary or it might have like a factoid mm-hmm. um subtitle track or something that just says you know fun fact did you know that you know patrick stewart stewart got heat stroke when he was out there doing the desert scenes or whatever and you're like oh shit okay start hallucinating yeah you know and channeling uh <laughs> Star Trek. Right. You know, and he, he became, <laughs> he worked on Captain Picard right then and there. Um, but it's like all those things, um, they, they have so much value that um, just taking, you know, just the superficial dance 
class again it's it's like you're going to get that you're going to get a lot out of it if you're a beginner mm-hmm. but yeah once you get more advanced even like advanced as far as like technique and stuff you're you're just going to like look at this and you're going to say no but actually, that's why you take a master class yeah. from from a very or you take not, not a master class you take a beginning class mm-hmm. from someone who is you know a, like a high level right. practitioner because even when they do the six step like I learn this all the time. I watched tutorials all the time. Still. Right. And I watched like, um, um, the B boy, B girl dojo. Mm-hmm. Right. So I watch yeah. focus mm-hmm. do it and I'll pick up shit and be like, damn, or I'll watch Magnus Magneto. Yeah. And I'll be like, damn, mm-hmm. I'm not doing my CCs right. Right. And I'm trying to do my CCs right. Right. Like right now, like I can catch myself falling backwards and I'm like, I'm, I'm not on balance mm-hmm. and it's so much harder to do a CC forward and balanced on your toes or on the balls of your feet Mm -hmm. and falling to the side with both hands because you have more power when you use both hands Yep, and you go faster. Mm -hmm. And when you do six step, you don't, your hands don't go up at all. They just go right to the space where you want like these things. Uh, I've been doing six step for like 30 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so when I watch somebody who knows, even when it's a basic step, I think I can really, I think that that's, yeah, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, that's why I like to take house other house workshops, mm-hmm. you know, especially if they come into town and I don't have anything to do with them. Mm-hmm. So I'm not stressing about how many people are showing up. I like to take it. I like mm-hmm. to, cause, and I think, I forgot which student it was that asked me, like, why are you taking this? It seems like you don't need it. I'm like, no, you need it. Right. You know, because there's going to, there's always going to be something different that someone mm-hmm. brings at the table that you don't know, that you don't understand. And then maybe you can implement on your own. Like, okay, right. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Melvina, shout out to Melvina. So, Mo- what Melvina has been doing a lot. <laughs> what is Melvina's poppy name? Does she have a, like a funk styles name? I think it's just Melvina. Okay. I, I didn't it, think she did, but I like. I think she, yeah. AKA Miss Thang. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's so funny, you know, like, yeah. But no, Melvina, she just takes workshops like no mm-hmm. other. And especially during the pandemic, there's like how many workshop, online workshops she's been taking. Dope. Mm-hmm. Right. It's because, like, even if you're a teacher, you should still be learning. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Um, and and yeah, like, yeah it's, uh, I want to come back to something though you said about the swirl. Like, I th- I think about like how the swirl is done, where you step in front of the other foot, like one foot steps to the side, my like my left foot will step to the side, and then my right foot steps in front, but it taps. Mm-hmm. It's like a light tap but it's enough to help me pivot and pivot quickly. Mm-hmm. And then I have to go to the other side. So when I think about, when I think about the way that you have to have balance and you have to be able to pivot, then I think about like where it comes from. Mm-hmm. So people in that space had to figure out how to balance and pivot quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to, I think I like, I want to keep trying to explain what it is that I do when I'm writing about dance. Right. right. You know, right. and that's kind of a, a way that I think about like right. how those people had to navigate that world mm-hmm. at that moment. Black and brown queer people mm-hmm. had to, uh, could not fully be themselves. So they had to figure out how to rebalance and pivot mm-hmm. in a particular moment. Yeah. And that's why that dance has that step. That's why right. a lot of those steps look that way and mm-hmm. then when you get to the pivoting pot of beret you can now mention northern soul yep yep because northern soul was this, oh my god i watched a few documentaries on northern soul because mm-hmm. i want to understand because i heard turnstile talk about it a lot I'm like okay, i really want to understand what this northern soul is all about mm-hmm. 
And lo and behold, it's literally everyone just doing pivoting pod berets. And then I've watched recent footage because they, they have competitions today. Yep. Uh, Northern Soul competitions. and Northern Soul as in like Northern Europe. Is it Northern Europe or is it like Northern Chicago? UK. UK? Yeah, Northern UK. Okay, that's what yeah. I thought. Yeah. So it's Manchester, Leeds, um, mm-hmm. everything north I've of the I've seen a couple of documentaries yeah. about that too. It's, it's so interesting, man. It kind of – looking at that old footage, <laughs> looking at the old footage like reminds me of um, The Exorcist. This is like the the fashion back then. I was like, oh, yeah, shit, it's kind of scary." <laughs> but <laughs> be like like form form fitting tops, right? And like and long then, ass and hair, then really like, flared pants, yeah. like it's like the Conjuring. Oh yeah. god! <laughs> but um, but you know, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because so now whenever I do a, pot, a pivoting pot beret, I always think about it now. You know, mm-hmm. and it's so like their dynamic of Northern Soul. So there's no intro mm-hmm. into their movement. They just as soon as the music drops, boom. Pivoting yep. pot beret. Like, there's no, there's no intro whatsoever. Right. It's so interesting. Yep. Um, it's interesting that you think about it, though, and, it, like, how the way that you're thinking reflects the way that you move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's, that's just, like, that's just something I find really interesting about how it's going to influence your movement. Yeah. Well, the, well, so when I think about it, now it makes me want to, okay, what can I do that will amplify this movement now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, just really what a lot of us dancers think about, like, how can I take it to the next level? Right. So now when I think of it, I'm like, okay, maybe I'll just stick to one side going left for however so many, you know, counts or until the anticipation ends where I finally punctuate the part in this song. You know, like that's what I think about now. Mm-hmm. And because it's like, okay, man, these Northern Soul dancers are doing it so well. They literally looks exactly the same as how we do it in house mm-hmm. or how we do it and how's compared to how they do it mm-hmm. now i'm like fuck how can i make it look different right mm-hmm. right but yeah man I, I like it uh northern fucking soul <laughs> <laughs> shout out to uh all the uh soul boys and soul girls out there in the uk that yeah, are uh, still keeping doing it, it up keeping it alive mm-hmm. and again you know just running on that same parallel as like things like rock dance you know where they're doing something that even back at, at that time was um, considered passe because they mm-hmm. were dancing to records that were pressed in like right. from 65 to like 69. And that was that transition in pop music where a lot of uh, bands were starting to go um, less from like the Motown and like, like you, you heard it in James Brown first, right? Mm-hmm. Like you heard James Brown's sound go from like what uh, was, was even considered like doo-wop into soul right. and then from soul into james brown's funk yeah and um and then everybody just kind of went like on that path and so no one was like really doing like the four four records anymore and then it took um you know these uh these these folks that were like yo i i really identify with this music so they were they were beat digging they mm-hmm. were they were going and finding just based on like the labels. They'd say, okay, this is Rick Tick. Okay, I'm I'm getting this because I know it's going to be a good soul record. And if you had, you know, if you were a DJ out there in the UK and you had that record that nobody else had, you would do a cover up on the label, just like in hip hop, mm-hmm. to avoid people from biting your shit. And if you wanted to hear that one record that you did not release the title to, you had to go to so and so's party. Yep, you had to. And eventually somebody would like stumble into it and they'd be part of like a record uh, pool club mm-hmm. and they would get that record. Now they debut it and they say, well, guess what? We're going to blow the doors off it and just tell everybody what the record is. So everyone's going to be hunting for it. And, um, you know, that, that was, the, it, it's so, it, it's so amazing to see 
those parallels that exist and um and then you know there's something to that then yeah if you start to think about like what like the parallels in dance Mm -hmm. and how that's passed and what is passed along with it right like why why is there something called northern soul Mm -hmm. that connects so strongly to something that you might call the pot of beret, but just for fun, let's let's call it something else, mm-hmm. right? You know, because we're right. about that colonial type shit, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So, which I think, like, even that conversation, I think, is really interesting. Like, who calls it a pot of beret? Yeah, and like, why? Like, why are we still? Mm-hmm. Why is it a universal dance step, dance move? Right. It's in a lot of forms. Like, why is it accepted? But mm-hmm. why is? Why do we call it by its ballet name? Yeah. Yeah. If it's in all these different forms, why and, do we call it by that? Name? And why do we say it wrong? <laughs> why don't we say it in the French way? Because <laughs> English is just, you know, it's just crunched together fucking uh, no, languages. The, the best is uh, when you tell someone from the UK, uh, when you try to correct to the way someone says a word from the UK. Like when when Frankie J was in town, uh-huh. uh, last time he was in town, Charlie was like, you mean, I forgot which word it was, right? Uh, and Charlie corrected me on a word, and I looked at Charlie, and I and I, I kind of chimed in on it too. And I looked at it, and I was like, you know, it's kind of funny how we're trying to correct Frankie when he's the one that's speaking Old English. He's using an Old English term, right. so therefore we are the ones that are supposed to get corrected. <laughs> if you believe in a queen, so <laughs> uh, yeah, we're probably getting there, huh? Now, the, I wanted. To, um, have you seen that? Uh, it was like a recent article. And there's a dancer, like, there's actually a lot of dancers that are giving this guy shit. But he's, um, he's a choreographer. And what he's trying to pretty much put in place is um, the whole deal with the copyright copywriting uh, choreography or moves. Have you seen that? Have you seen that article? This has been a debate within academia for a long time. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's so interesting because the guy that voiced it out, he, <laughs> now people are calling him out. Because it's you like, gotta watch yourself in that one, right? Because it's like, well, it's funny how you're trying to make this happen when you yourself have copyrighted from the Nicholas Brothers yeah. and from from these people and from these people, and then they what they did was they put it they they did a comparison, so they took a Nicholas Brothers footage and they took one of the Beyonce's videos and put a comparison like two of her videos actually so mm-hmm. one so the single ladies with whether it was beyonce and the two other ladies she's actually buying a czechoslovakian uh yeah. choreographer yeah. yeah that well that was the choreographer the guy that oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah mm-hmm. well he's the one that's trying to make the whole copyright thing come right. into play it's that's a really difficult thing to do because most of the dance that we're talking about is black dance mm-hmm. is like black diasporic dance and the reason why copyright is so kind of funky is that like people it's like white folks took that from black people right so trying to have a white choreographer oh he's black oh trying to have well having any choreographer try to take movement like this it's it's a weird there's a reason why it hasn't happened up until this Mm -hmm. point and that what I was speaking on was something else. But if if he's, because I'm talking about there's a white Czechoslovakian, um, I can I can find her name or whatever. And she's and she's the one that like basically came up with the the like the like Beyonce for the single ladies basically took her whole idea, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But she changed it. The choreographer mm-hmm. for Beyonce did change it. Yeah, you know, like they're in different outfits. They're not in. 
it's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. But you can make a comparison and say right. it looks really similar because right. of the camera angles, all of these things. Um, but there's a reason why, like you guys know about like the Fortnite, um, yeah, yeah, lawsuits mm-hmm. where uh, what's his name from the Fresh Prince, um, Carlton, yeah, yeah. Um, what is Al- Alfonso Ribeiro. Yep, Alfonso Ribeiro, who did sell a breakdancing um, how-to when he was like, I, if you look up like old old commercials, yeah, he does sell like a like a record mm-hmm. and like a how-to video, right, to do breaking. <laughs> um, probably when he was on Silver Spoons. Yep, with yep, Ricky Schroeder. Ricky Schroeder. Um, because he does a series of movements that are not complicated. Mm-hmm then you can't you can't copyright that movement mm-hmm. but then the dude from scrubs mm-hmm. right interesting that's like two black men but like mm-hmm. the dude from Str- scrubs that um i forget he's like the the black doctor uh and donald um donald glover no it's not donald glover what's i, I can't it's remember on donald Faison or something like that something like that yeah um forgive me we live in a in a world where we could look it up but we're not yeah, yeah. so <laughs> but um he he does like this this routine where it's like Running Man and like does like, but it's it's complicated enough where they could make the case for it. Trying to copyright dance, I would say dance by the very nature of itself, and and this is like from from my um, um, my mentor Ananya, um, you can't take something called dance out of a person, mm-hmm. right? So by its nature, it is anti-capitalist. It mm-hmm. resists capitalism. Mm-hmm. That doesn't say that doesn't mean that you can't have like Steezy, mm-hmm. right? Which fully plays into capitalism. Right. Yep. But you can't take the labor. You can't take the labor that I I make this dance. You can't take it out of my body and sell it. Right. 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 So it's it's. But you can sell parts of it. Mm-hmm. You can make a video, but people don't buy videos anymore. No. But people do stream. People do, you know all sorts of things, Twitch mm-hmm. and OnlyFans and all that stuff where you can sell things that were not, that's, it's like a visual thing now. Right. Um, but, and so things are changing, but I think that chore- like choreographing, copywriting choreography is just, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's going to work. Right. It's so, yeah, it's very interesting. Because who do you get your choreography from? And who do right. they yeah. get? Yeah, so like yeah. when, how far does this go back? Like right. What, what do you have to do in order to like... And then you got to look in like, okay, are there any foundational steps that are within that choreography, mm-hmm. if there are any? Right. I mean, you know, case in point, right? Like one of the most obvious ones in the beginning of the YouTube generation was the comparison um, to... Uh, Michael Jackson with Bob Fosse's uh, snake in the grass routine that he did in the little Prince. Mm -hmm. I mean, down to like the points, the looks, the shoulder shifts, everything was all like Michael Jackson was heavily inspired by that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even so, so much so that before people had VHS recorders, the Jacksons had a family uh, theater and they would just watch um, film reels of other dances and just get, you know, inspiration and, you know, movement from all these different sources. Mm. So you know that Michael was able to watch that and actually practice it and emulate it in a theater and be like, all right, rewind it, go back and, and do that over and over and over again until he got that down and mastered. Um, and by that rationale, would you be able to say that, like, the Bob Fosse um, estate would have grounds to be able to legally sue 
Michael Jackson for all the money that he made from you know that point where he started dancing in that particular way because it went it went from like you know the jacksons were specifically like learning from Mm -hmm. like the lockers and stuff like that to all of a sudden michael going off on his own and really like coining his and then what about chris brown and then what about right you know like it it does it does beg the question where does the copyright begin i mean yeah that's what happened that's the sample wars in Mm hip-hop Yep. You know, that's what happened to hip hop. That's why there's right. no sampling. Right. You know, or if you're sampling, you got money. Right. Right. Your name is Drake. You know, like, yeah, because Drake sampled. sampled the whole album. It was insane. Mm-hmm. One of his his albums was actually, actually, okay, I like Drake, right? Um, which happens to <laughs> <We> know. No, <laughs> which happens to be like one of my favorite albums from him. Mm-hmm. Probably the only one because other than that, I think all his other stuff is just garbage. Which um, one is this? Which album? It's the one where he sampled a shitload of classics from the 90s. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he sampled I, Janet Jackson. He sampled But what was so the new one things. that came out that was like, it had it had a hook from Michael Jackson. Human uh, It wasn't a human niche. No. I want to see. by SWB. Yeah. There was something else that happened um, with a with a song, with an album recently where someone was sampling like, it was like Biggie was on the album. Um, I don't know. I might be getting lost in a couple of different things, but I feel like there was something that happened recently that like, yeah, you have to have money mm-hmm. yeah. to do that. Yeah. Because like, that's, that's why it's awesome to listen to these old songs. Um, that's why like, I love nineties hip hop, Yeah, you yeah. know, and, and yeah. it's amazing how it's layered. Right. And it's not to say that, that music today isn't layered. It's layered in a different way. Mm hmm. And sometimes you do you do catch people that are sampling mm-hmm. that that are like under the radar that are super dope. Yep. So I mean, and it, you know, and they also figured out like the kind of the rules and the hacks where they said, okay, as long as the sample is a bar that's not going to be like longer than I think it's like the ten second rule or something, and as long as it's, and as producers, yeah, that's like how Jay Dilla, right, like went under the radar. Yeah, because because right? he, he would he would take something that um, would be you would either use like an Akai or an SP twelve hundred, and you would uh, down pitch it or mm-hmm. up pitch it. Yep. So that way, the only way that you were going to really know that that was a, a direct sample from you know, let's say. Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Because he does, he did right. sample Michael and right. mm-hmm. and then did a song with Michael. Yep. Which is super interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. It was like you would have to like actually stop and, and say, okay, let's let's put that back through Slow and down. re-engineer it. Yeah. And, you know, and sometimes there would even be things that were reversed. I mean, that's why two of my favorite albums, the most pivotal albums um, uh, conceptual-wise um, were also the ones that would have cost like a trillion dollars to make each, and that was uh, Three Feet High and Rising mm-hmm. and uh, Paul's Boutique. Yeah. Because those two had so many layers. I mean, yeah. when you looked at like contains a sample of it, it would be one track, mm-hmm. and there'd be like 45 yeah. artists in there. Mm-hmm. And, and I, think they, I think they did finally release De La Soul's um, catalog. Yeah, De La just basically just blew the doors off of it i think something happened but i remember i don't know if you guys remember a few years back where they mm-hmm. offered everything for free online yeah. yep mm. and i downloaded everything for free yep <laughs> yeah 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 i was i downloaded that too yep yeah, yeah. that was like yeah. that was like yep and uh special <laughs> shout out to uh stakes is high yeah because i know. i actually taught to that this week i taught i'm, I'm teaching uh, a hip-hop theater course with um dr harry waters i don't know if you guys know harry waters jr um, 
he's like an amazing professor at McAllister. Tish Jones is is teaching the mm-hmm. rapping slash spoken word part. There's like I forget the name of the um the graffiti artist and the DJ that are involved too, but mm-hmm. it's pretty dope. Yeah. Um but I was like I practiced to the the Wax Poetics twentieth mm-hmm. anniversary of De La, of, yeah. of all of the ones that come out, all those twentieth anniversary ones. Mm-hmm. They're super dope. Hieroglyphics, Far Side, mm-hmm. like all of that shit. If you don't listen to it, you should listen to it. But I played that, and right. and, and it like that's that's a formative album for me, mm-hmm. as well as like Commons, like One Day It All Makes Sense, mm-hmm. like those those albums that definitely. It's like Latirics. That's mm-hmm. like a formative album yep. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the early Rhyme Sayers mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Um, that was the stuff I was practicing to out in California. And they were practicing to like Black Sabbath. Mm-hmm. They were doing like some mm-hmm. funky stuff mm-hmm. out there. Right. Yeah. And then I brought that stuff in and they were like, what is this Minnesota hip hop? Mm-hmm. You know? And that was like, that was the stuff we were listening to. Like just really, and like, Phoenix Orion, mm-hmm. Battle Axe Records. There's a dog. No, that's not a dog. That's a person. Uh, it's, yeah, uh, they just want in. They're, yeah. having, they're having a bark off. Yeah, they want to, They just want to be pet. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we won't let him into the room, guys. I can't really show you this. But no. <laughs> there's a uh, super weird. You know, what I find fascinating is, I find obviously throughout this whole podcast, I probably found everything I just said <laughs> fascinating, but uh, I noticed that atmosphere is a lot bigger outside of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the way things go. It's so funny. Because I remember when Frankie J first flew in, and I used to be a part of a crew called Bank Squad. <laughs> Weird name. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the members, his name is Tim, and he's also in, he was actually in Full Force crew. And he flew in, and he was like, shit, dude, um, I'm a big atmosphere fan. Yeah. I was like, Oh fuck do you know atmosphere? And he was like, yeah, man, they're huge dude in Vegas. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what? And it, it's, and unfortunately he didn't stay long enough because we ended up going to that picnic. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Then that was, I think that there was like a few atmosphere members that were there or like a few members from rhyme Sayers mm-hmm. that yeah. were there and stuff. For Mikey's know. Memorial. Yeah. Was or, it? Yes. Yeah. 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 It was it was at Cherokee Park in the West Side. I think so. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. You know, like that. You never get enough love in your own city, and I think that's this is like a tangent, but I but I just think that people get stuck on that shit. They don't understand it, and it hurts their feelings. Mm-hmm. And I feel you, but at the same time, like if you get if you know you've made it, if you get love in your hometown. Mm-hmm. Like that's well, you said you know you've made it yeah. if you get love in your hometown. Yeah, because if you get love other places, yeah, like you you might not be great, but if you go back to where you live and people are like you're dope, mm-hmm. you you've probably made it. Mm-hmm. You know, but what if you only get love in your hometown? <laughs> <laughs> it's different. It's then, different. Then you it's lab. Different. Then you your know? lab. Like, <laughs> I mean, I I I think. Um, I think atmosphere always had something. I think rhyme sayers always had something. I think now that there's, you know, there's, um, there's allegations of sexual harassment and whatnot that it doesn't diminish, um, some of those accomplishments, 
but I think we have to always realize that like you can't be separated from your art mm -hmm. right. and this doesn't have anything to do with slug or ant. This mm -hmm. isn't like atmosphere that we're actually talking about, mm -hmm. but this isn't to like excuse anybody either. Mm -hmm. And I think that, uh, this is, this is a discussion that we should have had a long time ago in hip hop in our community. And, and I know that people tried to have it once it came up here mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it didn't go well. Mm -mm. Because they're still stuck on like, like an old school mentality, right. and I have a lot of respect for for everyone that tried to hold the dialogues. But we've moved on as far as as a the discussion has moved on, mm -hmm. right? And if you're not part of that discussion, you're not going to be able to have it unless you sit back and listen to everybody else talking for a while, mm -hmm. and then you go, okay, this is actually how I approach it. I'm going to hold this thing, but I'm not going to. I'm not, I'm attracting people to it mm -hmm. because I'm a figure, but I'm not actually going to do anything. And I, and I think, you know, maybe you two will facilitate it. Maybe mm -hmm. you guys will, you will like, you all will feel comfortable facilitating it, but only if you ask me to hold the thing, because if you're not asking me to hold the thing, then I'm doing something that I think you need. Right. And we never like, that's, you know, like that's, 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 that's on some, like that's happening right now. Mm hmm. You know, like it, you can apply that to almost to like so many situations. Yeah. Right. If you're not asking the community what they need and you're just assuming you know what they need, that's always going to lead to trouble. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so we never good. had those discussions. It's good to ask questions, man. Yeah. Those, uh, those silly ass polls on those groups, they really do mean a lot. Yeah. I mean, like the, was it? A couple of weeks ago, I asked on the on the rocking page, I was like, "What time would you guys prefer to practice?" Well, like only one person responded, I think, or like two people responded. I'm like, "Oh, okay, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, okay, so be it." So, yeah. but yeah, man, we should uh, definitely wrap it. No, up. I got more things to say. <laughs> so many more things. <laughs> nope. You're about to blow people's eardrums on that one. Yes. I'm about to <laughs> blow their minds. minds. I don't even know, bro. I was about to tell you some shit, but now we got to cut it. Oh, no. Oh, there could be a part two. Part two. <laughs> Return of the Duke. Yeah. Here's part more two. shit. Return of the poop. Return <laughs> of the poop crap. Oh, shit. The poop jokes. You haven't even gotten to that. We haven't even really. <laughs> you squirrel. We can turn off the microphone now because then we can. <laughs> Uh, it's chocolate squirrel. See, <laughs> we haven't done this for a long it's time. Good, yes. Oh my god! We haven't done. I, I was just thinking about the the Russian accent. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's uh, at the brokerage that I work at. Man, mm -hmm. everyone's like from Uzbekistan yep. and like Jordan and stuff. So, so you're trying really hard not to so, say anything out of yeah, pocket. You're like, just practicing in the bathroom every time you go bro, into the bathroom, bro. So my my uh, my direct boss, you know, his name is Marshall. He's actually like my best friend since sixth grade, right? But whenever they ask him a question, they're like, Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a question. Yeah. Like, Marshall. 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 Like, it doesn't sound like a question. I'm like, oh. <laughs> when he's gone, you know, I'll be in his office and um, they'll be like, where is Marshall? I'm like, I, I don't know. But there's one point where I almost like answered in an accent. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 Yeah, I've been. I actually that I was thinking about that yesterday, just like how how it was just like we did it all the time, mm -hmm. and like how it came up, and like, did Charlie ever do it? 
Oh. Oh, he tried, I think. Okay. I think because, like, I, I couldn't picture him doing it. Yeah, I think he tried. So, he, or, or he would wait until everybody said a bunch of shit, and then finally he would just, like, throw just, like, the Hail Mary. He'd go, like, da, motherfucker. Yeah, something like that. And, and that would be, okay. like... Uh, the best is uh, during mixtape rehearsals, and we yeah. got everyone doing it, like, yeah. Cheng. <laughs> Cheng. And then, and then the twins' mom. <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. It was, it was pretty... That's that's what I was thinking about actually. Yeah. I was like how prevalent it got, and then thinking about that mixtape, like it was the show, mm-hmm. you know. And we were like, it was before the show. Yeah. It was like backstage before the show. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was just thinking about that. I'm trying to remember, was it those shows? Man, were so. F- I put myself in some weird situations in those shows <laughs> when it came down when it came down to it because I, I remember just having to run the whole time from one piece to the next piece. Mm-hmm. And I remember just being out of breath, like towards the middle of somebody's piece. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I forget. There was, there was the one with the rocking in it. That one, I was damn near dead. Yeah. Towards. And I remember, see, cause I remember one of the, there was like a time where we had to perform that after hip hop and Herb had to take my place. The first thing that Herb said to me after you guys performed, he's like, Fuck you, dude. (laughs) (laughs) That was an intense piece. It was intense, man. He's like, I don't know how the fuck you survived through that shit after your piece already. I was like, you know, I just did it. I just didn't think. (laughs) It was a good piece. And then, uh, what was it? Mixtape. We had the opening. Mm -hmm. And then after that, led directly straight into my piece, I think. Mm. And then then I had to go into someone else's piece. Mm. And I remember Joel like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, life is going on. Life is going your boy's on. About I gotta to, go. Your boy's about to be on 200 beats per minute right now. <laughs> I gotta go, bro. <laughs> all right, yeah. We should. Uh... Yeah, but yeah, we should wrap it up. Um, all right. What's one house track that you like that's near and dear to your heart that you can think of? Because this is about to be the intro and the outro. Yep, pull that phone out. Was so, that? iPhone iPhone twelve, iPhone twelve. Do you, you know that they of course, bro. you know they just updated it and like now you can unlock it with your mask on. That's so dumb. Yeah, I'm fucking serious. <laughs> you can so unlock dumb. you can unlock it with that your means mask. Anybody on. can unlock your mask or unlock your phone, right? No, because like, they use your eyes. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, they do have eye trackers. That's pretty funny. Okay, I don't know if it's considered. Um, Say it. Gabewa. Okay, who's the artist? Young L. Young L. Young, you don't have to play it. Don't I mean, play it. Don't spoil for don't for audience. Don't, don't spoil. Okay, spoil. so uh, Heat Pulse. Okay, so Gabewa G B E W A by Young L or Maradona Rhythm by DJ Snake and Niniola. Those are like the, I like the, that a lot because it's I think it's Afro House. Mm-hmm. I started watching videos about like South African house Mm -hmm. and that was like, and I like that a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They're they're killing it over there. Yeah. All the Yoruba. Yeah. It's crazy stuff that's going on, man. It's just fucking vibe, vibe city. I mean, do you guys listen to, um, yes, all the time. Yes. All the time. (laughs) Twice even when I'm feeling naughty. I know. (laughs) This doesn't have to go on, uh, no, I'm leaving it all here. Yeah, I, I don't edit shit. Okay. I think I edited Toby Nuigwe. 
Toby Noigwe? Yeah. Yes. That's not house. It's not house. It's not house. No. But but you you said uh, a specific ethnicity. Yeah, Yoruba. You, I think you said another one before that. But if you didn't, um, he is a. <clears throat> I forget the ethnicity that he is, but it just reminded me of him. Okay. And all of his. It's all hip hop, mm-hmm. but all their shit is dope, and they have choreography in every single video. Mm-hmm. And it's like him and his wife, and their friend, and uh, their their friend is the producer. Um, her name is Nell, super fucking dope. Mm-hmm. And they have like these dancers that are like contemporary dancers in every one of them. It's fucking dope. I've never seen. I'm, I slept late. Right, he's the guy that does. Uh, um, don't test me. Mm-hmm. It's like don't try me. Try Jesus. You know mm-hmm. that song? Uh, no. No? No. Um, so he can sing and everything, too, but he's, like, a super dope rapper from Texas. Mm. Oh. And, yeah, like, his... I would say check out his shit. Check out... Um, uh, uh, like, Juice with Paul Wall. Juice. and Yeah, he's got, like, five or six albums out. Like, it's crazy how many he's got, but it's 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 a vibe. It's, like... He's like Andre 3000. Mm. Mm. He's like, he sounds like Andre 3000, but he's on a different vibe. And Mm. you're just like, this shit is dope. So anyways, it's not house. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Oh, you know what I really like is a house track though, is uh, the jungle brothers. I'll house you. Okay. There you go. Yeah. I really, I really like JB's. Okay. All right. Which one do you want me to put for the intro and outro? Jungle brothers. Jungle brothers. I'll house you. Yeah. That's easy. I yeah. actually have that track. That's yeah. it's old I school. It's, I think everyone has to have that track. Mm-hmm. It's, really, it's hip house. It's yeah. like, but it's it's one of the things that I think introduced me to house music. Right. Um, back in the day. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Historically significant. Mm-hmm. Significant. Sick. Significant. Sick. If I can't, but I will. <laughs> all right, folks. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Styles and Driss. And hey! Hey! <laughs> I want to be hey. part of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> hey! Hey! And then Joe came in the middle. Hey! <laughs> I want to be a part of this. <laughs> Joe's like, can I punch someone in the balls? <laughs> it's you, Joe. You could lick someone in the face. No one's gonna fucking say oh, anything. Yeah, go for it, man. You had Joe on here instead of Joe. No, no, no. no oh, no. you're just. I don't. Uh, You're just saying that. Yeah. It was an amusing I don't see a reason to get him on here. I don't think. He has nothing to do with house. No. (laughs) Most of mine had nothing to do with house. No, but, okay, so, okay, (laughs) uh, disclaimer, the reason to why why we decided to bring Jason on here, for me as a personal reason, because, for one, Jay was, he's one of the reasons to why house was able to go on stage, Hmm. right? And, uh he hosted house sessions for the longest time mm-hmm. here at Carlton in the place that we are sitting in right yep. now. Mm. So that, that makes a huge impact. And, and to add that on, you've given me opportunities that help me escalate the scene here. Mm. You know, one going into the U of M to do like a lecture, like, I mean, shit, dude, a lot of stuff. Mm. So if any of you guys that are listening to this are questioning, <laughs> why do I see this beautiful bald white man with glasses Woo! on, and uh, now, now you know. Well, I appreciate that. That's very kind. I appreciate the fact that you uh, play my mix so much too. I do. Do you see? You see the metrics. I see the metrics, and I'm just like, <laughs> damn, Jay. It's like, 
347 plays <laughs> in St. Paul. And I'm like, oh, that's Jay. You know? <laughs> can't be Ty. Just can't. <laughs> nope, can't be Ty. Because Ty, Ty would just send me, like, my, his metric would just be a middle finger. <laughs> His metric is a middle finger. Uh, my metric with Ty is two middle fingers. Right. Nice. <laughs> and you a guys, shit emoji. You guys got a communication style. It's fine. We do. I mean, you know what? I think I think it's safe to say that I'm the person that got everyone to communicate with a middle finger. Yes. It's me and you. Yep. It's Herb, Nebby. There's a lot of people in the scene that communicate yeah. with me with a middle finger. Yep, yeah. And what, what's huh? so funny is that when everyone like question, that don't know what's going on will question like, why did you guys just flick each other off? I think it was like the the quick one. Yeah, right? yeah it, was, it was the uh, it, it was the pick. You picked the wrong day to come to the park. <laughs> you picked the wrong day to come to the park. Yep, it's the size of your, the size of your dick. <laughs> Fuck your mother with that dick. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, but I I do I do appreciate the the fact that you get something from that mix because that was my first attempt at um like strictly hip hop mm. mix um. So yeah, I appreciate that you dig that, and that you you like to dance to it. You'd like to dance to the breaks of said hip hop music. Yeah. And he's like, "Now I shall blow you <laughs> <laughs> away with my dance moves." See where I was going? There it was gonna get dirty, then it got clean. Da. Yeah, the people in Russia. That, that, that is my joke. Is da? Uh-huh. da. Joke, joke yeah. is da. I'm gonna be so scared if I look at our metrics on this, and there's like. Five percent Russia. <laughs> no, oh, I don't. Shit. I don't. There, there's just like all this like Russian Federation, and then they're all like sending us like we, we think it's all hate mail and shit, and we translate it, and it's just like no, we think accents very funny. Yes, we want <laughs> Styles and Dries to come to Russia. Yeah. <laughs> Special we'll pick you up at airport. <laughs> airport. Have you ever been to Russia? <laughs> Special guest of Premier Putin. And it's just like ah, uh, no fucking thank you. You like, get the vaccine. <laughs> you get the vaccine. <laughs> you get the the vaccine. The vaccine. They're like Ozzy oh, Dries. I heard you like squirrel. <laughs> we have like pet squirrel. squirrel for you. I'm like, uh, thanks. You make you make lots of jokes about Russian gangsters. You want to meet wars? No, we, we, we meet wars. We steal boat. We, we steal boat. We don't care. It's, fuck that bitch. It's Russia. <laughs> it's just like, um, no thanks. I think maybe I might possibly go yeah, like, outer Slovakia, but there's no way I'm gonna go to Russia. Okay. We meet you there. We meet you there. It's okay. Wherever you go, we find. Don't worry. We, we've we've got friends in in Vegas and Brighton Beach. We we drink our tea with our little toothpicks in our teeth. We've got friends in Apple Valley. The Apple Valley. <laughs> Why? I don't go to Apple Valley. Oh, you will. Oh, you will. You, <laughs> you will. live. You live in Richfield. Richfield. <laughs> Hello. Maybe, maybe we Aussie. we take you to <laughs> special Russian spa where we bury you in the woods up to your neck. <laughs> now they're like, Hello, Osman Dries. Phone number six one two five nine eight. The social security number. <laughs> I'm like, what? Uh, Do you want me to tell tell you what uh, what color your father's uh, van is? <laughs> and you're like, no. Okay, get in truck. <laughs> get in truck. Get in truck. We are outside. We are outside. <laughs> We're outside. We're inside too. I, I'm here for you. Don't open glove box. <laughs> There's shit in there. <laughs> <laughs> we, there's shit in Bosch. There's, we, we, we made Yorkie shit in glove box. So <laughs> that is why joke is. You open later, you see the shit, you're going to go, oh, shit. There's Yorkie. <laughs> Yorkie shit. Okay. 
But it is old Turkey. It's not. It's, it's not. It's not New York. It's <laughs> no, no, no. It's bad joke. There is a it's bad, bad joke. A big difference. <laughs> it, it was. It was actually correction. It was me and Pasha and Yorgi all shit together in box. In Same ball. time. It's ball in box. It's shit one, ball and shit box. One plop. One plop. <laughs> it all came from one anus. No wipe. No wipe. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I just gotta say that <laughs> we love we love Russia. Yeah, we we actually do. Uh, I've been meaning to go there for the rock dance. Yeah, and when I do, please don't kill me. <laughs> no, like special special no, uh, shout, shout out to, shout out to Russia. No, absolutely not. We're American. <laughs> We're American. God damn it! Cheeseburger, hamburger, and cheeseburger and bacon. Yeah. <laughs> But no pierogies? Why not pierogies? What's wrong with pierogi? <laughs> it's like hamburger, but no, no, no burger. It's just potatoes. No, for real. Uh, shout out to Russia. Shout yes. out to Yosha. <laughs> Sorry, dude. No. <laughs> shout, out to, shout out to Mike. Yeah, the yeah. Russian Mike. Uh, Mikhail. Mikhail. Sakovatsky. A.K.A. Misha. Misha, Misha. Yeah, on the real though, Mike, you, know, you should look at uh, mine and Mike's Instagram message. <laughs> Our chat is so full of crazy shit, man. We mm-hmm. send each other some of the dumbest fucking shit ever. Mm-hmm. He he had me subscribe to this, um, not subscribe, but to follow this account only just so I could see it on Instagram. It's like crazy, something crazy black Russia or crazy black Russian or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. And my God. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like Mike's uh, Mike's humor in, in a nutshell yeah. is on that page. In two nutshells, <laughs> this is my nuts. Sur- surprise! Surprise! <laughs> it's like glove box. Which? Like? <laughs> you, you like glove box? Has <laughs> glow stick? Has glow stick? <laughs> yeah. That, if if any of my if any of my contemporaries listen to this, they'll be like. What the fuck? <laughs> you know, I'm not editing this shit out. <laughs> that's yeah. fine. Uh, I'm not. It's fine. But that's why it's we fine. say shout out to Russia. Yeah. Shout out to all the Russian dancers that inspire us. Russian that dancers. inspire me. I don't know about you guys. Um, so. DJs, uh, martial artists, too. I'm, I'm a big fan oh, of yeah. um, all the, it, like, everybody in, in the whole um, <laughs> Eastern Bloc. As far as like their their not training Western and stuff, block. not Western block. <laughs> Fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. <laughs> Fuck you this know shit. Western block. You yeah, know Western block. block. Western what about block. the double woos? <laughs> All right, we're done, man. We're done. Yeah, we are we're done. done. All right, peace, 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 peace. Astrovia, Astrovia. <laughs> nice driveway. <laughs> Body, how's your body? How's your body to the base? I'll sit all over the place, so don't let nobody get in your way. Tonight's your night, today your day. Africa will hear you wrong. Say what? House music all night long. 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 I'll house you, don't you know? I house you, don't you know that? I house you, you and my hut now. Don't you know that? I house you. Don't you know? He will. I house, house you. Yo. I house oh, you. Dear. You in my hut now. Check, <laughs> <laughs>
Girl, I see you Do what you do Go on, girl, and act the fool There's no need to play you cool Everybody shake your body